<laughs> Pot of gold. All right. Go ahead. So he s- stops, and I sit in my car. Who? It's just a, just a man. Okay. He's just a guy. I really don't know who he is. I've never seen him before. I hope I never see him again. We gotta we gotta backtrack. Nobody um, knows who you're talking about. They should. That's they shouldn't. I don't even. This probably shouldn't go out there in case that guy's out there. Um, why? Why? Because he's then he's gonna know who I am, and I was in, definitely in the wrong. Well, it seems like everything's resolved. No, I don't. I, not if we meet each other. I mean, if he knew who I was, I think he'd be pretty upset with me. Okay, well, might want to say something. Then, then save your story and tell it to me when we're done recording. Fair enough. Um, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. I'm your host Jeff Nesbitt, and joining me in the studio today is Jeffrey James Hilton, the one and only. How you doing, Jeff? Swell. Thank you for being here. It is the 50th episode of Ramble by the River. It's been almost a year now since we started this thing, and 50 episodes was my original goal. So here we are, and this is episode 50. So it's a it's a big deal for me. I'm excited about it. What's your total download up to? Like 11,000, I think. That's pretty incredible. It's a lot of people. It's a lot more people than none. But podcast-wise, that's not shit. No, but it's a start. Not even <laughs> I, a year I shouldn't yet. stop doing that. I keep self-deprecating. But well, well, I mean, if it's not shit, it's not shit. But yeah, you gotta get somewhere. Yet. That's true. You might get some big, big gains in the future. That is true. Just and gotta... we got, I mean, a whole nother season coming up soon. Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah. So it is Saturday, October twenty-third, Anno Domini, twenty twenty-one. That's Latin, bitches. And yeah, we're here sitting in the crab shed. It's a rainy weekday afternoon, and we're doing the intro for the Ned Bittner interview, which was delightful. I had a really good time with that one. We talked about you quite a few times, actually. I haven't heard it. It's a good one. You'll have to check it out. Hmm. Be your first. (laughs) Have you listened to any episodes of this show? (laughs) Yeah, like four or five besides my own. Okay. My mom's, Colton's, Hannah Bolden's part of alex max it's a long one yeah i've i feel like i've heard the alex mac podcast if you know him yeah 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 (laughs) yeah he was working at that wedding too oh yeah so update on my life uh i did the dj thing we did the dj thing at the wedding and it was really fun turns out that is a job that i can really get behind because you don't have to talk to people you don't have to mingle Basically, the wedding ceremony took place, and then I gathered my laptop and went and I sat down at a nice, comfortable table, and I uh, just played songs the whole rest of the wedding, and and people would filter in and out. They'd talk to me here and there, but not a lot, not too much. It was a a really nice birthday. I I think I would definitely do that again. I would charge more money because this time I I didn't really charge much at all. You didn't know what your performance was going to be. No, I you, thought of it as a learning experience. You could have shit the bed. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I based it off of what I charged, or I mean, not me personally, but when I was in seventh grade, we had to hire a DJ for a school dance. Mm-hmm. Actually, with Mooch Smith, me and him picked the songs from the DJ's list and everything. And we paid him $400. A lot of classic rock was yeah. played. Um, yeah. Dancing through the decades. That was our theme. Jukebox Hero is definitely getting played on that one. Yeah, 80s butt rock was Mooch's like go to. 
Is yeah. that butt rock? Is that the appropriate term? You know, I don't know if that's acceptable anymore, but that's as that's how I know it. I don't even know what that's in reference to. Butt rock. Do you think it's just like a, a common misconception? It's not actually butt b u t t rock. It's like butt rock. Like there's actually a phrase before that. Oh that yeah, they it could be up, abbreviated. Like when people say butt naked or yeah. buck naked. Which which one is it? Buck. I say buck. I don't say either one just in case. I do it with a K. I'll just say naked. It's one of those things that you just kind of trail off at the end like bug naked. You don't need a qualifier for naked. You're either naked or you're not. Can you be another kind of naked other than buck naked? Some would argue that like if you're just wearing scantily, you know, like a thong. If I was just to wear a thong right now, Mm -hmm. standing here right now, would you consider me naked? No, I'd consider you thonged out. Yeah, but nobody says that. Not yet. I just I just started it. <laughs> if you if I like walked into a school wearing a thong, they'd be like, this man came in here naked. Yeah, they'd definitely arrest you for that. But yeah, no, you're right. It's not naked. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's if you were a, a, a beautiful woman and you walked into the school wearing a thong, you'd be celebrated. If the boobs are out, is that naked? Well, that's a tough call because that's... they do attract attention. Yeah. But I mean, we're allowed to have ours out. Are we? I get yeah. a lot of I get a lot of flack for having mine out. Well, there's how do a, you? There's a double standard there. I'm just saying in this town. Double standard. Yeah. Yeah, one for each tit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I I don't know. I think that there probably is some kind of a sexism going on there. We're always being victimized. Mm. You you and me, us white guys. <laughs> it's it's hard out there. It can be. It certainly can be. Well, I better get into some announcements before I forget. If I even have any, I got to just look at the list. Usually these intros, I'll tell a story or something and do some announcements and then get into the episode. Do we have any good Ned stories? Oh, they're all. I got a lot of Ned stories, but I got to say, they're all pretty dull. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We talked about a lot of stuff from back in the day. In the episode, and yeah. yeah, so many of my adventures, now I'm looking back, like, that was really, not just irresponsible because it was putting my own safety at risk, but irresponsible because I was putting the employment of adults at risk, mm-hmm. like skipping school type stuff, Any really anything you do, skipping school and going and having adventures, you're getting to get somebody in trouble. And all our adventures involved some sort of illegal, Yeah, mostly. Yeah, do you remember when we skipped school to play Kings one time at the, my house in Long Beach? <laughs> yeah, and the, the 10 beer hour, power hour. 20 beers. 20 beers. The game, good game of 20 That's beers. Like a, it was like the worst EMOM ever. Every minute on the minute, you chug a beer. <laughs> that would be beer. hard. We I don't even remember what the structure of that game was. I think was. it was every 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes we had a beer. Chug a beer. We had those big goblets. Yeah. So they were, yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that we skipped school to do. Yeah, Exactly. It's not good. No. Man, if I caught my kids doing that, oh, I would be so fucking mad. Yeah. I remember one time I uh, told Miss Bono that uh, Mr. Plummer needed me for something in his class. And I told Mr. Plummer that Miss Bono needed me for something in her class. And I went home and got stoned. Uh, And there was something going on that week to make it work. Like, I took advantage of an opportunity. I can't remember exactly what it was. But... um, I got away with it for like three days, and then they found out, and it was, yeah, yeah, pretty like, fucked. No, wait a minute, 
No like, teacher needs your help. Like, yeah, what, what do I have to offer? <laughs> like, oh, are they are they moving classrooms or something? Yeah. Um, yeah, pick up this stack of chairs. Right, but like pretty pretty manipulative and deceitful. Yeah. And, uh, like I know, me and Plummer were close too at that point. I know it definitely hurt his feelings, as it should. That's the thing is that I did not ever consider that at all. Like no. adults have feelings and they might actually fun. like maybe value our relationship. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, oh. I could definitely take advantage of this situation because they trust me. Yeah, and he they're looking at it like I have a adolescent in my hand that I'm trying to mold. Like they they weren't trying to take advantage of us in any way shape or form, just no, trying, trying to help, to help. Us. <laughs> just, just trying to help. To help. Us. And like, you know, like and maybe get through the us. day without having a fucking disaster. Plumber sacrificed, I'm not like I don't know if he sacrificed, but he put a lot of time into me. He, he was really after, committed to know, his after, work after school and stuff like that. And just mm-hmm. and personally too, it wasn't just a, a coach relationship. Uh, yeah, and then I go do something like that to him. But the, we yeah, had really great coaches. We did. Like as far, I mean, our record wasn't incredible, but no. they were very committed and they were just good people, cool guys. Yeah, just really cool guys. I I really feel lucky yeah, that we coach had Hill. them. Oh okay. yeah, I wish Chris I was a Hill, little more out. aware. Uh, at that age because his sense of humor like now he's I funny just, as fuck I, I can't be around him without laughing mm-hmm. uh, like sarcasm with a which like a dash of brutally honest yeah <laughs> truth uh, it's super yeah, it's a good brand yeah it, it really is Ned's got some moves oh, it, oh, he'll put right. you in a pretzel does. I totally forgot about those moves he yeah he'll grab you by, by one and a half fingers and then the, put you on the ground what's that one the broken crane uh, I don't know I don't wrist. want it no no you don't I watched him. Oh, I, I talked about this in the podcast briefly, but we were, it was track practice. We were all laying on the big uh, pole vault pit, you know, the mat. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the track kids all lay on there before practice starts. And you remember Bobby? Big man Bobby Richards? Yeah. Bobby Richards was flipping Ned some shit, which. He did. That's what he, he did. He liked to do that. Yeah. He liked to do that. Shout out, Bobby. Hope you're doing well. Yeah. And Ned was like, don't do it. Or I'm, I mean, one more thing and I'm going to, I'm going to get you. And he's like, oh, what are you going to do? And he like did the thing, whatever it was. And then Ned started coming after him. So Bobby took off running. Ned let him get out a little ways ahead because Bobby wasn't exactly a fast kid. And then he went chasing him and he chased him down. And so it's a quiet day and we're looking at this across the football field. You know how sound travels slowly? So like when you're watching an altercation from far away. Just a slight Yeah, you just get it. Yeah, you just get the sounds of it a little late and they're like, yeah, they don't quite you line up. See the action, and yeah, then you see the noise that's coming, accompanying it. Yeah, so we just see. Oh, there goes Bobby. He's going down. Ned got him, and then there's just like not a lot of motion on the ground, but you can hear Bobby screaming. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Ned must have his hand. He's doing that hand yeah, thing. The broken crane. That's what it is. And yeah, it was really, really funny. But uh, I don't even remember where I was going with that. Is that the kind of thing you think? That's how they treated me, not just like Blair, uh, Ned, but like Blair and a bunch of the other t- teachers at the school. Like when it came to disciplining me, it wasn't like go to the office. They would do things that were physical. I'm not saying they always put their hands on me, but sometimes uh, like never hit me or anything like that, but like wrestled a little bit of stuff like that. Yeah. And it, I responded w- really well to that kind of stuff. And I don't know if you'd get away with Big physical kids do. That kind of stuff. Things have changed in terms of physical contact. Right. Like in the football world. Do you remember when I used to walk around and smack guys in the chest? I think you might have actually done it too. CJ definitely did. But um, just one of your friends here, buddies, give them a good hard smack in the chest. You know you're not going to hurt them. You know, it's just like a it's like a loving slap. Yeah. Um, I used to do that all the time. And I would never do that now. And 
You remember how coaches used to smack kids on the ass? Oh yeah, regular thing. Yeah, their hands didn't linger. No. It was it was nothing nothing to it. Never just a, ever had any sort of feeling like that. Not at all. Ever. Not at all. It wasn't even like talked about really. It wasn't. I mean, you might joke about. Like, we took pictures our senior year. There were some jokes about you acting. Yeah, like we did little grab acid and stuff. But like, yeah, I, I never ever even from like I remember uh, a certain person, a certain teacher at the school was very handsy, and they would put their hands on students all the time, like come up behind you, and, little neck massage, yeah, little whisper like sweet nothings. And I, I never took it. No, his breath wasn't great to be to be weird or anything like that at all. But then, like once it got brought up, you're like, oh yeah, maybe I did feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, but like I didn't feel uncomfortable until somebody else told me that I felt uncomfortable. Exactly, I was naive about it. If like, you're talking about the same person, I'm thinking you're talking about, which I know you probably probably are. One and only. Yeah, he got a bad rap. I don't know. I honestly have zero uh, knowledge of him ever doing anything wrong. Right, me too. But um, he definitely had a reputation just because of the like the very Joe Biden esque touching. I always felt it was very sincere. Me too. And he was in like, my this guy life actually since cares I was about a me. little tiny kid, uh, and he was always a fixture in my school life. That's how I felt. That being said, who Love knows, the Mariners. Who like, knows what Dude, I don't give a are. fuck about the Mariners. <laughs> I know. Uh, and I always kind of wondered, too. I'm like, he, like, he doesn't look like a baseball player. Yeah. It's like, do you really love the Mariners? Are you like just trying to be in, in a came, cool kids club? It? No, I don't think so. Nah. No, definitely not. He ducked. Take it to the face. <laughs> yeah but no well that's what you know, times times change uh the generation before us it, things were a lot different than too i think there was actually you know more physical you might get whacked probably of the good and bad sorts sure like there's probably no problem with a teacher hugging a kid but also maybe fucking one every once in a while too so i heard some stories it's good things up. have changed it is progress and also they were whooping their asses um, hitting them with wooden paddles and stuff yeah Slap on the, the wrist. Put them a in the box. Slap on the wrist is like Sawyer used that phrase the other day. I was like, do you know what that actually means? Because he was talking about school. And uh, he's like, yeah, something, something. And all you really get is a slap on the wrist. I was like, do you know what that actually is from? Literally, that's what they would do. And that was considered like the less harsh punishment. That was the punishment you want. But still, the slap on the wrist was not a slap on the wrist. It's still a physical. Exactly, like, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's a physical uh, yeah, go assault. Go get slapped on the wrist and think if it's just a slap on the wrist. The big-ass ruler? Yeah. That would hurt. Some nerves right there. It's tender skin. Yeah, you could probably do some damage. Uh-huh. But, yeah, things have definitely changed. Yeah, if you slap the kid on the wrist oh, these man. days, you'd go to jail. Yeah. You'd go to jail, and some of them could probably use a slap on the wrist. Yeah, that's what's, that's what's tough about it, because I do know people that, I don't know, it's tough to... Kids are different. You can't just adults are different too. Yeah, we're all different now. Um, And I, I know I've seen some parents that put their hands on their kids to correct them, um, and they're not all created equal. I mean, you can tell when there's a whack that is just about nipping the behavior in the bud, and then you can tell when like, well, I can't anyway. Where there's a little bit of like, you're just losing control here. Like, yeah, that wasn't. directed you're expressing anger yeah you're not actually trying to accomplish anything acting like it's a punishment or a correction yeah right yeah i I think so too you can tell too when you like see that kind of interaction between a parent and a kid in public oh it's the worst when you're like oh my god i know that shit's not over no he's gonna get it worse when they're like you can feel the kids just like you're fucked that's how it was for me when i was a kid though 
Me too. <laughs> I didn't get a lot of abuse in public. No, they were smart. Yeah. Smarter than that. Yeah. I don't know. But even, uh, yeah, it's, it's... It's really hard to know because I don't know how it would have been without any kind of... Like, I got spanked a lot. A, yeah. A lot, a lot. And I always thought I deserved it, to be completely honest. I really... I did. I believed that it was actually... Like, my parents had to do it. They didn't have a choice, and they don't enjoy it. Except I could tell my dad enjoyed it sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and I can appreciate that point of view now that I've spent considerable amount of time with kids. Oh, it's so hard not to hit kids, bro. Kids it's so hard. Do horrible things. They're assholes. They can be. They're very egocentric. Yeah, it's all about them. They don't give a fuck about your life. No. I mean, maybe your life as it applies to them. <laughs> Like, oh, if you're they dead, you around they, just so yeah. you take care of them. But they don't care about your dreams. No. They don't care about your hopes and your wishes. breaking them. Your sleep, your food. I, you know, I don't, just for the record, I, in, compared to others, my kid experiences, no kids ever cost me a night's sleep. Let's put it that way. It'll come. <laughs> Maybe. If, if nothing else, by the time you're an old man, you'll have loud neighbors. Yeah. I'll adopt. I'll wait too long. Would you, would you adopt? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they'd give me one. Right, certainly, right now they wouldn't. But uh, no, you'd have to you'd have to put in some time yeah. <laughs> doing some volunteer work or something. <laughs> resume, pad your resume a little bit. Yeah, I'm not doing bad, but I'm not doing. Just great. start hanging out at a church, working the Sunday school. I'll just get one. Yeah, you'll. I mean, most likely you'll run into a kid who just needs a home, and you just be like, "All right, come on, hop in. We're going home." And then, I mean, you can just find them anywhere. Yeah, I could. I got a nice space for them out in the shop. And yeah, put down a little blanket for him. Curl right up. Mm-hmm, put up like a curtain so he has his own space. Yeah, a little, put out a bowl of water. Bucket and privacy curtain. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, better than the streets. But back to Ned. Oh, yeah. Because it is his day. It is Well, I guess his it's day. not really his day. It's more like your day. No, it's Ned's day. Uh, I keep thinking it's his birthday. No, it's just, just a podcast. Huh. Well, happy birthday, Ned, regardless. Whenever, whenever it is. <laughs> whenever it is. I got a Ned story. Okay. You remember when he first started coaching us, we were freshmen, and he made it a big point of like, everybody's going to call him Coach Bittner. Oh, yeah. You are not going to call him Ned. He's not going to respond to it. And he held on to that for a good day and a half. I honored it. Uh, some people did, but some people, he's Ned. Yeah, just, well, eventually he was to me too, but... Uh, yeah, I tried. We were at Subway before a game once, and uh, Ned was by the soda machine. And Eddie uh, was like, hey, Ned, will you refill my soda? I don't know why we're drinking soda before a football game. But I was things were different back in 06. Times have changed. <laughs> um, he said, Ned, will you refill my soda? And Ned looked at him and was like, what's my name? And Eddie looked at him and was like, Ned. Name's Ned. <laughs> and Ned just turned around defeated and refilled his soda. Um but I could, I can understand not wanting to be, you know, and then just like the blatant act of disrespect of being like, no, F you. I'm not going to call you what you want to be called. Yeah. I'm going to call you what I want to call you. That's like a, yeah, oh man, that's a name, the name bullying thing where you like, you can bully people by calling them the wrong name uh, really easily. Yeah. So many people do that. I get it a lot. Yeah. Uh, people are always trying to bully you because you're bigger. I don't. They do. It's strange. They're trying to take me down a peg or two. Yeah. It's Which almost I'm like down. You don't need to take me down, peg or two. I'm, you don't I'm look down is the problem. I know. It, you look up, and it's yeah, like looks like you're doing okay. You're definitely eating well. Um, it's really just not. like people <laughs> eating horribly. Well, you're eating enough. Yeah. 
people people don't like that. They're just like, fuck this guy and his big muscles. Yeah. I'm just going to take him down a peg or two. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's okay. It's usually done in fun. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of which, I do it all the time. time. When that lady in Fort George put her hand up my shorts and rung my wiener like a church bell. What? Yeah. I just got off. So I worked at the Fort George. Yeah. And I just got off a shift. I was the head prep cook. So I was upstairs. And uh, I go down to the tap room to have a beer. You get one free beer. And then it was like $2 pints afterwards for working there. Great deal. You can get. That is a good deal. Yeah. I mean, that beer is expensive. But anyway, so I'm over there and I get a beer. And I go stand by the fireplace. They're really busy. So there's not a place to sit. I'm kind of sneak in next to this group of ladies and one of them sitting down on the fireplace mantle or the seat in front of the fireplace. I don't know. The mantle's above the fireplace, I guess. I digress. I'm standing there, uh, just minding my own business, and this lady takes her hand and runs it up my pant leg, up my shorts, and I'm wearing shorts and boxers, not like boxer briefs or anything. Skin-to-skin contact, her hand, my Johnson, and then hold on it like she's ringing a bell hard like did it hurt it shocked me well um, i imagine like she she bottomed it out oh ouch you know there was that she pulled it tight all and the without, tension was without gone. you being able to flex that might have hurt oh man it did hurt um so i jumped which made it worse because then i forcefully pulled my johnson out of her hand you might have dislocated it um and i was flabbergasted like didn't know what to say i was just looking at her did you um, give her a reach around? No. I was I was a little scared, actually. <laughs> and uh, That's pretty looks, invasive. Yeah. She looks me right in the eye and, and says, you know you like it. And she was, I don't know, 50s or 60s, which, I mean, I, I slept with a 57-year-old once, and it was great. But this particular one, I didn't wasn't feeling it. And so I just left. I didn't say anything to her. I just walked away defeated. Flip that around. And and you're a 57 year old man, and you reach your hand up uh, a 20 something year old shorts and yank on her penis. <laughs> no. People would freak out. Yeah, it's like you. I know, and I said something to a couple of my coworkers like the next day, and uh, everybody's like, yeah. just like, yeah, <laughs> or it's like, oh, like you don't have to worry about anything. Like, like yeah, I totally could have defended myself and stopped, but at what cost? Like local Fort George employee punches a you know, middle-aged woman, and, and they're like, I'm like, hey, she touched my wiener. She's like, no, I didn't. Who believe. are you going to believe? <laughs> I got a record. Yeah, this, this um, guy who punches old ladies or the, the old lady who gently caresses young men's penises? I mean, she's probably caressing, caressing the right penis. You won't get in trouble. Well, that's really what it's all about. You got you to gotta pick and choose who you caress. You do. And you really need to ask you for do. their consent. Um, and I've actually been in situations like that a few times where mm-hmm. i've been touched people like to touch me yeah dude especially middle-aged women like to touch me uh and the gay crowd like me uh and i like the gay crowd so i put myself in some situations where um you're just like i don't mind let me you know touch me bro <laughs> no i might be leading him on by not putting my foot down or wanting to be a, a jerk about the whole thing flattery feels good it does so does being touched um but it Close also doesn't feel good to be... No, there's plenty of times I've been touched in my life where I haven't enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always feel good. Yeah. It's so intense to be touched. But that said, it's not... Like, I think it's a lot different me knowing in the back of my mind that, yeah, yeah, I can stop this or put an end to it at any point versus knowing that you can't 
if you were a woman and it was a you know if like, yeah. the role was reversed and it was that old lady and me doing it like she couldn't stop me all the awkwardness of your encounter but add the element of you're also in fear for your life yeah yeah i mean let's face it if i wanted to rape some people not a lot of women could stop me um thank so god I think you're that's, benevolent i think giant. that's part of it uh, yeah. of like why it hasn't it doesn't bother me so much yeah dude imagine if you were actually like an evil person how much damage you could do I mean, you'd have to be sneaky about it, or you can only do damage once. Somebody they'd would get stop you. me. They'd stop me. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you're a hulking person. You could you could break some shit. You could hurt some people. So it's a good thing you're a nice guy. That's like the most important thing in my life. Actually, most important quality is to be nice to people. Me too. And it's all it's it's my most important quality in other people. Yeah. Me, yeah. Absolutely. Me too. I'd rather uh, I'd rather be nice above anything else. Above being right. Um, above proven a point um i would rather be around people who are nice to me than people who are good looking or rich or funny yes. funny's close to the top but if you're funny and mean there can be fuck a, yeah yeah there can be some funny and cruel yeah so oh, there's a lot of them that was one of the reasons why this wedding this weekend was so good because ray and Allie are both such wonderful nice people and like i've been to a lot of weddings and i love weddings but they're not all created equal like you can feel the love at the wedding, and it it uh, permeates into the crowd. Yeah, um, and like this wedding, Allie and Ray were getting married, which everybody was over the moon about. But then also Justin and Lacey were there, who just adopted their kid, uh, and that was a whole nother thing. Like, I'm almost crying now just thinking about it. There was so much love, a lot of that. good vibes in that room. Yeah, there really was. It was it was pretty awesome. Yeah, um, plus a lot I, of that's the DJ. No, it's true. Setting the mood. Um, but like Alex, the Alex Mack wedding, uh-huh. a lot of love at that wedding. Yeah, um, that was one of my favorite weddings. So I'm super excited for Colton and Hannah. Me too. That's going to be a just a awesome. They're doing it at the same place, right? Chinook School? Yeah. yeah right on. Yeah. Um, but then you take like my sister and Ken's wedding. Eh, not a lot of love there. I thought it was great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a good one too. Any of the Chinook weddings are good. Yeah, that's a good place for it. Um, yeah. I think. So I, I think some, like, you can feel vibes in that place that's almost like a, the wood has memories or something. I was just going to say, there there is memories. Old buildings that are, like, really well-maintained wood, they have, like, this quality to them where it's like a, a history stamp. Like and every time, time we're there, capsule. it's a big emotional event. Yeah. For whatever reason. Like, I've been to some funeral there, too. Luke's funeral was there. Um, that was the first time I actually went in there. And I think some of those emotions... This might sound silly, but kind of get absorbed into the wood. I think so, too. A little bit. Whether that's just from, like, when people walk into that, their body naturally picks up the sensory input of being in the that vibes. place. And it pulls all that emotion, brings all that emotion back. Um, I think there's a just I'm, a collective unconscious. Yeah. Where, I mean, I, I didn't come up with that idea, but the I believe in it pretty strongly. Yeah. And I don't think that we're all connected to it all the time, but I think that it to varying degrees and depending on where your focus is and just what's available to you. And I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't know how it all works. And some are connected better than others. Yeah. Or and some are, people are closed off to it too. Yeah, a lot of people people's just, egos don't let them see yeah. it, even if they are connected. Yeah. The ego is the enemy of all that shit, period. Yeah. The, the bigger the self, the, the smaller your connection to everything else. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, but we need to have, some self like it's it's important that we you know have identity too it's it's all a balancing act yeah no i mean you want to stand on your own chunk of ground and be your own person Um, otherwise you're not going to have anything different to offer the world yeah nothing new no you know it's like no spice day jeff hilton Mm -hmm. um 
It's true. The creme de la creme a la Edgar. <laughs> Where's the cats? The, this reminds me of another Ned story. He, I used to go to over his house and watch football games uh, or whatever. Or we'd just hang out and talk. Or he, we'd go see a Wakaiakum football game or something. Um, and he would cook dinner. And uh, I don't remember why I was giving him a hard time about it. But I was making fun of his cooking. And he's a good cook. Um, I think I was making fun of all. It was just like simple. Like, oh, hamburgers again, huh, Ned? Uh, and he's like, well, what do you want then? I was like, motherfucker, I want chicken cordon bleu. That's, I thought it was fancy. I, I just spit it out. I don't think I've ever had it at this point. That's chicken f- with a pocket, and there's ham and Swiss ge- cheese in the middle of it. Um, and it's all baked and crispy. They're pretty yeah, good. Yeah, breaded on the outside. It's delicious. Um, and all day, I was, I'd was i see him, and he's like, chicken cordon bleu. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. He ain't cooking. That guy can't cook chicken cordon bleu. And I'll be damned. I showed up that night. Motherfucker had chicken cordon bleu. And I remember that. good. Yeah. It was delicious. Yeah, that's something that a lot of coaches probably wouldn't do is like to take the extra time to get I mean, I know you and Eddie did lots of stuff, extra stuff with with Ned. Yeah, um, he would take us up to go see local areas, teams around the area play and stuff like, because he knew you guys had an interest in pursuing football beyond high school. Even though we didn't really know that at the time. Maybe he created that you interest know, it, in right, you. Right, exactly. Like, and I I mean taking his time on a Friday to take two kids on a 3-hour car ride. You don't even realize that when you're that age, that like the, the he's sacrifice. a human. He's not just a coach. Yeah, he's like, not that's a robot. A huge he's sacrifice. got a wife and kids yeah. and stuff. Little kids. Or at, at that time, he just had one. But uh, still. Yeah. The, the amount of time that he put in away from that, even like looking back and like when the they were opening up the weight room in the summertime and like somebody mm-hmm. would have to all of that thinking about like doing that now it's like you want me to come down sit at the school for how long a half hour on a and wednesday just wait night for you and just to lift sit there and wait for two kids to show up yeah um when nobody else is like and you have to beg the kids to come in the first place it's like coaching is a <laughs> thankless job yeah i'd just be like fine you guys don't want to go fine you're not gonna go and it's so important um, it's such a big deal to the kids who actually get to be involved in sports right I mean, like, I obviously, out of high school, had my struggles and went astray for a little bit there. But who knows where I would have been if I didn't have, if I wasn't, I at least had something I was grounded in. Yeah. And it was that athleticism. And, the, you know, and the, and Coach Williams, Ned, Plummer, and Blair and all and stuff nurtured my physical development. And there was a point in my life where that was all I had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they gave that to me. So that's, who knows? I might not be here if it wasn't for all that. Sports were the first exposure i ever had to really feeling like i belonged somewhere like i really didn't like being i mean i didn't like being a weird church kid Mm -hmm. which is kind of what i was until i started getting involved in sports where like those were the only social circles i knew outside of my own family were church people yeah and god bless them there's a lot of good people in there but in terms of overall society a lot of them are kind of strange yeah and there's a lot of uh i eccentrics yeah and like manipulation and and all that aside i'm just talking about on a purely like coolness level oh As sure. when you're a kid like you can put it a thousand different ways but you want to be fucking cool yeah yeah and, and i church ain't cool church is not cool no. and um football is fucking cool yeah basketball's cool i just couldn't 
I couldn't dribble that goddamn bouncy bitch. Yeah, I was really horrible. It just that. gets away from Blair me. Blair banned me from the gym at one point with a basketball <laughs> in my hand. He's like, that's it, Hilton, that's enough. Never again. I remember him saying that you were the worst dodgeball player he's ever seen in his life. God awful. I would just I got to the point where uh he would just let me go to the weight room when they would play dodgeball. It was like dodgeball yeah. day. And was like, oh, he knew God, what your strengths were. <laughs> Some coaches don't want to like single people out at who's the best and who's the worst, but he would. Yeah. You were a good dodgeballer. I was okay. Yeah. Good I, thrower. The accuracy was just not there with those flimsy floaty balls. If I had power, I'd lose accuracy. If I wanted to be accurate, there was no power. And I would just get hit. And you had like the Anthony Workalas who could just, just oh, fucking man. drill you with a yeah. ball. No, not even close. And oh. I didn't play baseball or anything. My hand-eye coordination was actually pretty poor at the time. Yeah, I couldn't throw a – you know, you go throw a ball and it just takes a nosedive right into the ground three yeah. feet in front of you because you're trying to throw it as oh, hard as you can. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's looking at you like, oh, he's not very athletic after all. <laughs> yeah. I think I punched the bleacher right after dodgeball. Mm. Junior high. Was that – that was your third broken bone? The first one. No, you, you well, broke, broke both arms. Bones. Yeah. Yeah. How many bones have you broken by uh, the end of high school? Well, a four, five, six, seven. Two noses, a hand. Two noses, two hands, and all four forearms. I think there was a foot there in fifth grade, too. Man. But uh, that that four at once, that was a fluke. Oh, yeah. Deal. Just, uh, a, just a freak accident. The, Those swings are dangerous, man. I jumped. I didn't admit this for the longest time. I said that I slipped. But the truth was that Bonnie Perez was standing there. And I was a Casanova on the swings. I was. There was the dodgeball crowd and the the tag crowd. And um, later I went to the tag crowd. But that was after I broke my arms. Ah, Um, you was a fly boy. Yeah. I wanted to be in the air. I wanted to touch the sky. I was going to be the first to do a 360 on the swing. That was the goal. 360 like longitudinally or laterally? Uh, orbitally around I the think bar. I both of those are orbital. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they are actually. Um, but just the swing around the bar, not me. Oh, the swing. oh, gotcha. Like, oh, the it, every swinging kid's dream, right? To like, go all the way around, keep sure, the tension on the chain the whole time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you would, you couldn't do it unless you had a some sort of mechanical advantage. But anyway, Bonnie was there, and I was going to jump off the swing backwards, which I had done many times, but I hesitated. And I slipped. And anyway, I fell, broke all four, four, or all four of my arms. For all four of my forearms. Yeah. Um, yep, trying to show off for Bonnie. And she didn't even give me a kiss that day. No. Nothing. No. Uh, but I remember my dad picking me up in the, in the van that he picks dead people up in and put me in the back. I didn't even get a ride in the seat. His dad worked at the funeral home? Yeah, he owned it at the time. Was not just... Picking up dead people on on random, you know, occurrences. Yeah, there was a there was a badge in the front and everything like that. It was totally legit. Um, but we get down the hill, and I was living in Seaview at the time. In the house, the hospital's left towards Owaco, so we're either turning left to go to the hospital, or right, and going home. And he turns right, and at the time, there's not cell phones or anything. And I started crying. He was like, "Dad, why did you take me to the hospital?" And he, he's like, "Jeff, I got stuff to do today. Like this is." You're not going to die. You're going to be okay. When your mom gets off work, she'll take you to the hospital. Uh, and he freaking took me home. Like, my bones are about ready to poke out of the skin. Uh, took me home, picked me up, and set me on the couch. And I can remember him talking to my mom on the phone, and she freaking out on him. And he's like, yeah, she's, he's not going to die. He'll be fine. Like, his dumb ass fell off the swing. Um, I never felt so neglected. 
was just in tears. Like, why won't my dad take me to the hospital? And then he got off the phone and he lost that argument. So he took me to the hospital then. But probably for the best. Yeah, but I all, now looking back on it, I don't blame him. Yeah, it's it's a uh, kids are always trying to get you to take them places. <laughs> just a total attention grab on my part. <laughs> <laughs> so before you were throwing your dad under the bus, you were talking about how you never admitted this, but the truth was actually something other than you said you're about to reveal a big truth that was the truth that i was in fact trying to impress bonnie and oh i thought you were gonna say made an intentional leap the whole oh, thing you was, jumped off of this one uh, yeah okay well Head was, first into the, the ground. plan was the plan was to at, the, gonna... at the apex of the backswing to release slide the uh swing, slide out swing slides up my back and i slide out and land oh it flipped you on the ground but i i didn't have a smooth exit and so it slid up to around my it was double underhooked under my arms and i made a full forward swing again and i was you know and i knew something was dramatically wrong oh gross mistake swung your feet up in the air and dropped yeah yeah and so when i got back it swung me totally parallel and then just parallel ground and just dropped me snapped all four of my forearms and then camille like so i'm uh I'm looking at my left arm, screaming, freaking out, and Camille sees it, and she runs over and grabs it. We're walking down the hill, um, and we get to the door, and she's like, can you open the door? And I'm like, yeah. And I go to open the door, and we grab my other ones. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, she's, she's like, I don't know. Just hold on. Just hold on. It was fine. Oh, yeah. You were in cats for a long time. Yep. I got the got my arm set without taking the painkiller shot because I didn't like needles. That was the most, Bad painful, choice. most painful experience. Little I did you still know. still remember it. Uh, later in your life, you'd be like, I have, I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yep. God. Good times. Good times indeed. All right, Jeff. Well, thanks for coming over and hanging out. And I think we'll get this episode going. Do you uh, have anything else you want to say to the crowd before we... Happy 50. And here's to many, many more. Everybody out there, spread the word. Tell at least one person that doesn't know about Ramble by the River about Ramble by the River. Real life is always great. Yep. Yeah, make sure you uh, hashtag online and all that kind of stuff. If you want to reach the show, you can reach us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Ramble by the River, and on Twitter at Ramble River Pod. If you want to contact us for guest suggestions or business inquiries of any kind, the email can be found in the show notes. All of this information and much, much more can be found at RambleByTheRiver.com. If you want to support the show, you can leave a donation on RambleByTheRiver.com using PayPal. And if you want to subscribe to Ramble by the River Premium, you go to Patreon.com slash RambleByTheRiver, and you'll have options for subscription tiers, and that's where you get access to exclusive bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes stuff, updates, early releases of these free episodes, and all that stuff and much more. Without further ado, please enjoy this interview with the one and only Ned Bittner. Happy birthday, Ned. <laughs> I could really use a change of scenery. Yeah. Everybody's smoking all the greenery. Yeah. Close the match because they were handed down to me. But I'm still fly. I'm still fly. I know. I'm still fly. I'm still fly. Let's go.
Thank you. The logo that doesn't go away. I've kept it. I've kept it the same, but I think it's a sharp logo. Yeah, it looks good. And they always sell out. Uh, all right. I'm pretty much ready. I just gotta close curtains and stuff. Okay. I'm not too worried about your voice. It's powerful. Powerful. Should, should pick up on the mic real well. Don't have to do a, a check check. We well, still gotta do the check check, but it shouldn't take very long. Um, okay, I'll leave that one open for now. It's it's pretty muggy up here. Okay. All right, camera back, and then this is just set up to take a few stills. Sure. Make promo. Yeah. Okay, so that mic's pretty sensitive. Yeah. It works best if you're about six inches away from it. Okay. So you can adjust that arm however you need to. And then if you want to wear headphones. What do you it, prefer? It's it's kind of podcasty. Podcast Makes you feel like you're in the zone. Okay. You hear me? I got gotcha. you. Uh I think that's it. I think that's it. It's hot in here. I always start sweating right before I get started. Almost every time. For how much it rained today. Yeah. It's a it nice day. Got pretty warm. Oh, would you like a uh, whiskey? Sure. I bought it especially for the occasion. Let's do it. I went in and I asked the lady, like, what's what's a good whiskey? Sipping whiskey, I think they call that. People just need to have something in their hand. You talk a lot better with a little whiskey in you, right? Exactly. If there's ever an intended use, I'd say that would be it. Getting people to talk. You get a little bit more brave, too. Yeah. Hopefully less sweaty. <laughs> That's usually not the case. <sighs> How's work going? Busy still. Yeah. <clears throat> Slowed down a little bit with the weather we had this week, but still plugging along. That looks about right. Perfect. All right. It smells good. It does. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Podcasting. Good <laughs> oh, that's going to be in my mustache for a week. <laughs> taste um, it all night. That does taste good, though. It does. It's good stuff. <clears throat> Whiskey always reminds me of my dad. <laughs> and he wasn't even a huge drinker in my childhood. Um, <clears throat> okay, so we are off and running. Your headphones sound good, fit okay yeah, and all that? Sounds real good. How do I sound? Good? Good, yeah. Perfect. All right, so we'll get through the oath, and we did the mic check, and all right, we should be good to go. So are you, are you prepared to take the oath? Yes. It's standard practice. You know, it's, this stuff gets handed down to me from legal. I, I guess I have to do it. Okay. Okay. So repeat after me. I, state your name. I, Ned Bittner. Do solemnly swear that everything I say will be true and honest to the best of my ability. 
do solemnly swear that I swear that everything I say will be the truth to the best of my ability. And oh, what I forgot. Shit, I'm ruining my joke. Man, I'll hold you harmless. Uh, I don't even not gonna do anything. I was just gonna try to get you to agree <laughs> to some shit that you wouldn't really agree to. Um, dang it, I messed it up. It's okay. I'll do it on the next person. Next time. Okay. Enough of these shenanigans. Welcome to Ramble by the River. Thank you so much for being a guest. I've wanted to get you in here for quite a while. Um, I wasn't sure if you'd ever do it. You're a pretty private guy. I've seen you on social media, and, and I, I think it's a, a great story, and it's a good good to see you out there. You've always kind of been this, even back when you are in school. Um, I think with, with today's power of social media and people's platforms they, they get on, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Are you a podcast fan? Do you listen to them a lot? Not too often. I don't really have time to sit and listen to something for 30 or 60 minutes, but um, things that I'm interested in, mm -hmm. and we can talk about that stuff later, uh, yeah, it definitely takes some time to listen to some people. There's some good ones out there, and there's something for everybody. That's the best thing about it, is that it's, there's just endless lists of, of new podcasts every week. It's, it's almost just, hard to keep up with everything. Yeah, it's impossible. I, I, ba I barely even listen to them anymore now that I have one, because it's just like any time that I would be just hanging out listening, I just taking up editing. Right. But I get pretty well, sick the, of my own voice. In the times we live in, I think you're finding more and more people listening to other people's platforms and what they have to say. And, you know, you can probably even catch my wife. I mean, we're driving somewhere and she's listening to some podcast about whatever topic it is, but mm -hmm. it's out there. Yeah. there. I mean, more people listen to Joe Rogan than watch CNN. It's like, it's, it's the most consumed media around right now is YouTube and podcasts, which is bizarre. If you only cool. predicted that when you're in MySpace 20-some years ago now, right? I could be Joe Rogan right you now. You could be. Nah, he's actually much better at this than me. I don't know how he does it, how he can sit there for four hours and just keep the flow going. I edit this podcast, so it's like anytime there's lulls or just anything that I don't want in there, like noises, extra banging noises, birds outside and stuff, this just gets clipped out. They don't do any of that. They just go with it. He's a high, passionate, powerful guy. Yeah. Um, Pandemic-wise, how's that? How's your life? Anything been a major shakeup? Uh, you know, when it all went down, I think there was a couple of days of pause for everybody. Um, Work-wise, you know, two days, a little bit of pause, and then we've been busier ever than before, and it hasn't slowed down at all. Mm-hmm. People cleaning out their garages now that they're when they're stuck in their house. Oh, probably. there's so much stuff going on. Yeah, you know, like you said, whether it's cleanups or remodels or new builds or whatever you want to say, all of the above. Um, more people obviously had more time to get rid of more things. Yeah, I was in that group when I came in there dumping old pieces of our house. Yeah, what's the craziest thing someone's ever tried to throw away? <laughs> well, if you want to know, I haven't found a body yet. Oh, that I would assume you would tell me that, but. <laughs> Yeah, that people would have to be pretty dumb to try to dispose of a body there. You know, I have found a body at my job, strangely enough. <laughs> We've had some dead animals. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything from stuff with brand new tags still on it to we found found a cigar box inside of another box with silver coins and oh, really? precious metals in it. Um, Did you keep them? Of course. Yeah, that's got to be a one perk of that job. Yeah. You get to keep those treasures. Actually, I think we kind of divided it up, to be honest with you. Oh, I hope so. So, yeah. but yeah, I know. Just it, it's it's amazing. And I always think the even the small little area that we live in, all the stuff that gets thrown away. Yeah, 
a lot. lot. It's a lot. It's insane, actually, how much. It makes you wonder if you were like in a college town, city, military town, city. I mean, I I just couldn't even imagine. Yeah, college town. The amount of stuff that would get thrown away there. I mean, you see it drive around towards the end of a, a college year, and there's just big piles of couches and cabinets and all kinds of garbage in every parking lot. <laughs> it's yeah. like everybody's moving out. Okay, recycling. Is that a bunch of bullshit? It's a waste of time. We're having a hard time finding to get rid of it. Oh, really? Or places to take it. That was my next question. That, that can be challenging at times. Yeah, because it seems like, I mean, from a consumer point of view, recycling is, is a great uh, idea. The, the actual, like, take your cans and jars and everything and put them in a separate bin and take it off and have it, you know, repurposed or processed. But carbon footprint-wise, that seems like a slippery slope to, uh, like, wasting We're more. such a small fraction of the whole world or even the United States, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, some of the bigger cities have the curbside available where we're limited just to our dozen locations throughout Pacific County. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people that take it very serious. Oh, yeah. You know. Zealots. Big time. Weirdos. Big time. But, you know, as for, like, your your cardboard, that's that's a pretty, well, everything comes in cardboard when it's shipped. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of it. I love to burn it. <laughs> Fuel starter, right? Yeah, I, I just genuinely enjoy fire. I think it's a something that just pleases me. But even and, that's getting cut back on the last oh, two I years, know. right? Now, the last several years, you can't hardly burn all summer, nope. especially cardboard. I love a good cardboard fire. It just flutters away. just yeah. flutters away. It's going to go start a fire. It's not worth the anxiety. I don't want to burn down the forest. Yeah. In fact, that would really bum me out if I burned down the forest. Somebody needs to come up with a way to repurpose plastics. Yeah. Do they just break down too much in processing or what? Is it the heat? I, I, you know, what I mean is like, you know, you see stories about people shredding up tires and plastics for roads in other countries, but oh, yeah. why hasn't somebody started that here? There could be a lot of waste that just gets turned into other stuff as filler. Like, just like you said, as a medium for roads or building or whatever. Have you seen those things, the, like, giant 3D printers that print a building? Yeah. Like, they, they have concrete or in some kind of a medium in there. They could just mix garbage in with that and build houses out of it. Like, it's going to be encapsulated in concrete what what difference does it make if there's a milk carton in there with, with all the money that the government wastes for different programs and printing off fake money for for just miscellaneous stuff like they really need to invest in something like that i think yeah. there is a there, there's a huge ceiling for opportunity for building something through recycling well yeah because you get your materials not only for free but sometimes people will pay you to take them right that's where i think the the real money is like staples Motherfuckers at Staples. Always trying to get my used printers. Don't they like, fi- pay like five bucks a cartridge? No, they want them. They, they're like, oh, we won't even charge you to take them. I was like, charge me? I'm giving you the materials. I should be getting money back. That's how this works. That's commerce, buddy. And um, But no, they think they're doing me the favor by taking my old printer. What, just because it doesn't work anymore? I think I don't, they think I don't want it? No. So I've got five or six printers stacked up in my office. Well, yeah, probably because every two years they change the, change the ink cartridge, so you got to buy a new one, right? Yeah, they wear out. It's planned obsolescence. They wear out about two years, actually. But they're not expensive anymore. I remember 10 years ago, a printer was like several hundred dollars. Now it's like 100, 120 bucks. You can probably get one for under bucks. 100 bucks. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually doing like a reasonable amount of printing. And so it's, yeah, I get the medium of the road, medium, you know, printers. 
Are we talking about printers? No, nah, this is no good. No, this is no good, Ned. <laughs> How the hell did we come down this road? <laughs> uh, okay. So we did the oath. We covered printers. Um, so for any of the audience that doesn't already know this, which everybody probably does, you've followed my whole life, uh, Ned was my football coach in ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Entire high school career. And I actually, I think that was your your stint there was four years those four years too so we were we were in it together and that's the same year as like i was in jeff hilton's year so you guys probably don't actually remember me because there was another jeff who was making a lot more headlines they remember number 69 oh yeah that's true the other day i was at el Waco market and there was a kid in there with uh, 68 which was my middle school jersey and i was like hey that's my old jersey. Like, probably that exact same piece of material. It's, they looked exactly the same. Should have been hanging up on the wall by now, I right? know. I don't know what they're doing. Retire that thing. <laughs> I actually remember moving up into high school and going to get number 68 because that was what I had had. And you're like, eh, it's gone. We don't have it. Actually, I think you gave it to Ubaldo. Um, possibly. He was 68 your, your freshman year. Yeah. And then, so you're like, all we've got is 69. You like 69? And I was like, Yeah. And you're like, do you? Who, do, who doesn't, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh. I knew what 69ing was. I just, the, the concept that a, an adult would make a sexual reference to me at 15, I just wasn't ready for it. Caught me off guard, but. Don't play the innocent card with me. I, oh, yeah, I was not exactly innocent, <laughs> but maybe just naive. Yeah. But yeah, I actually loved being 69. Everybody makes a joke about it, though. Everybody. It's like, yeah, you know. It's There's just, no other number out there like it. It's true. It's very unique. It's very unique. So during those years, well, let's expand it a little bit. Um, who is the best athlete you've ever worked with? Even top three. Top three. It doesn't have to be football. could be mm. you did a lot more girls basketball, and you've had some killers in there. <sighs> I've got a few people in my head that I'm guessing you might say. but That's, that's tough singling out. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do the ones who are the three worst after. <laughs> I don't I don't like labeling because everybody's special and unique in different ways in different years when you coach them. You know, okay. you, you appreciate different relationships. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah, I know. Nobody's going to get their feelings hurt. No. Yeah. So we want to go football or we want to go basketball? How about both? Okay. Should we start with football since that's where it started? Sure. Can I guess? Sure, go ahead. Eddie. Eddie Nick, number 21. Why Eddie? Because he's the shit. Eddie was a natural, gifted athlete. He could do anything without really trying very hard. And when he tried hard, he became phenomenal. Like, he, he really lit up. Uh, Jeff Hilton was quite an athlete, too. Um, it, but my guess is Eddie. There was a lot of really good football players in that stretch of your that four was, Those were some fun years. I mean, could you imagine any of those four years right now? Oh, yeah. In B or are we B or 2B? 2B. I mean, I would, we'd be up there right with, you know, the rest of the top teams in the district with those with those teams. I mean, you, I look, at, so. you look at size, strength, speed, numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really hard to watch what's going on right now through that those four years that we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not even comparable. Not even. Though that, what was it, would have been 2005. That 2005 season, toes on the turf. God damn, that was fun. We were actually a legitimately good football team. Um, the psychology, we just couldn't figure out. I don't know what was causing that, how we would do so well the first half. Well, and then yeah, if you want to start it. there, we'll go back to the, the players. But 
yeah, that 05 season when we started out 6-0. and Yeah. You know, um, Mooch playing quarterback for the first time ever. You know, That's right. Playing wishbone. Oh yeah, know. we came in with a with a replacement quarterback because Nick Leonard had been the quarterback before the, that. The year before and that, he decided to go and into he, bodybuilding. Somebody decided to go in a different direction or ultra running, one of the two. And so you put a, both. you know, a skilled athlete in a new position who, I thought, did a hell of a job. You know, you look back now, he did a really good job. Yeah, he r- really running did. that offense. His um, little handsy, I'll say that. He was a little you weren't, you weren't his hands underneath you the whole time? Yeah, yeah. I was I was the center. He talked about my butt way too much <laughs> and, like, my back and my balls, too, a little bit. It was uncomfortable. Those things usually just stay in the locker room, right? Well, most of the time, I mean, I played center from fourth grade on uh, through through the end of high school. So I had a lot of different quarterbacks resting, you know, my nuts on the back of their hand. And you just get used to it. You, don't even, you start to not even think about it. It's kind of a nice little intimate friendship you have with the quarterback but mooch talked about it a lot and like you you almost you like you almost convince yourself like they don't actually feel my balls they're not actually aware of it's it's just like the pads that's all it's it's just not even it's nothing basically but mooch would talk about it and he'd like ask me questions about the condition of my anus (laughs) and that was uncomfortable but that's more than i really wanted to know right now right oh you're on a podcast ned you're gonna get the, the real stuff the deep the deep dives. Yeah, but, you know, you look at that team, man, it was a good team. It really was. Um, I, I, You know, I've replayed that year back several times, and, you know, we had gone to Hawkinson. We had already beaten Hawkinson in early in the year, and we go there as a non-league game late in the season. And I, if I remember, I remember one of Eddie's runs and one of Alex's, but we both had long runs for a t- one of us touchdown. They both get called back, and... And, you know, we ended up losing. And it was almost kind of like one of those things where that snowball just kept on getting bigger. We just couldn't yeah. get out of that funk. You know, we lost to on Alaska at home in a mud bowl, you know. And then we go up and play Friday Harbor on the turf. God, that was a beating. Well, if you remember the game, we actually we, we stopped them. They go three and out and punt to us. Oh, yeah. And then I think um, on our third play, I think Eddie breaks a long run for a touchdown. That and pissed him off. It did. And... <laughs> Wasn't who was our kicker? Wasn't Bobby the kicker? It was either Bobby or Junior. I think it was Bobby. Probably Bobby. Bobby was our that, o- offensive of tackle. Athletes, Bobby was a phenomenal he was. athlete. He was. He was a great wrestler too. Yeah. You know, he was another kind of unsung hero on that group. That one of the more talk. athletic guys that we had. Really. You know, I mean, he was barely what five eleven, two seventy five or so. But he could move. He was solid. Strong, strong guy. Really strong. So we go up on him seven zero. And then what they returned the kickoff back, and then after that it was just a slide. It, it was it downhill. was rough, you know. But it was a great experience. It really was. That's the know? first time I played on turf. It was fun. Yeah. I had a blast. I really enjoyed it. I would, also that was when I first actually started getting some decent defense playing time, which is really well. You kind of started off just offense only. Oh yeah, I was a know? specialist. I I really that's all I wanted. I just wanted to be on the team. I just like wanted to be part of the cool kids club. So speaking of that, yeah. that's a thing with the past too. Really? Kids don't want to be on the team. It's so great, Why? though. Yeah, where did that go? I mean, just because they're not out there or, you know, not playing. You know, it's part of being in that brotherhood if it's for football and yeah. being part of the group. It's primal. There's part I mean, of our what, DNA that wants to group up. What else are you going to be doing? Internet. Though that, and that's what's happening. I mean, whatever doing it is. TikTok dances. Whatever they're doing, they're not doing anything. Yeah. It's frustrating when you hear kids say, oh, I don't, I'm not doing it. You know, why not? 
you know, you get four years to do it, and then it's all over. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it goes by so fast. And that's for everything. Yeah. You know. Yep. You only get these little windows. You just and you training, you know, capitalize. Even through your experiences, and you can pass this on to the kids that you have now yourself, and you're going to try to guide them the best you can, and you know. So many times that people come back, ah, I wish I would have listened to you. I mean, you, exactly. hear that, you hear that all the time. Yeah. You know. And even though I actually felt like someday I might feel that way, but at the time you just don't have the perspective to put it in context. You don't get it. And I think you just can't get it until you're grown up, until you can look back and say like, okay, compared to the rest of my life, those four years were really short. I wish I would have given it everything I had, every play, all that right. time. I even remember in college my coach talking about uh, racing, crew. And like in rowing. And he had only been done for a few years. So it was still pretty fresh in his mind. But he just always talked about stuff with such, so much regret. Like he just, and he was an all American collegiate rower. So like he was very, very good, better than pretty much anyone on the team at the time. So, but, and I was like, this guy, even this, he wasn't a champion because I don't think Western ever won any men's championships. But um, everybody has that, I think. I just don't, I, I've, very rarely ever heard anybody talk about their glory days and just be like, yeah, I really did the very best that was possible. I think that you always feel like you just left a little bit more, left a little bit you could have just used. I don't know. Do you ever feel like that about your glory days as an athlete? Mm -hmm. There's always that kind of like, what if this would have happened? Um, for the most part, you know, we were kind of a dedicated group. The group that I grew up with had a lot of success. So you you went to Ilwaco High School, graduated. Uh, what were your main sports? Football, basketball, and track. Graduated in 94. And I think I think we can probably say we're one of the few football groups that never had a losing season, you know, in all four years. That's quite an accomplishment. You know, my freshman year, you know, Coach McNulty was my coach. Mm -hmm. And so the freshman year, that, that team played in the state quarterfinals. Wow. You know, and then I think we finished second in league my sophomore and junior year. And then and we were 1A at the time? 1A, and that's when everybody was 1A. That's when mm -hmm. Ridgefield and Elma and Castle Rock and Montesano and Forks and everybody was in there. So has, has have the populations just grown or, or have changed? Or well, through the years, the states just come up with these different numbers, allocations, ideas, percentages. You know, and so it's kind of changed. But you can say, like, you know, even Washougal used to be in the Trico League. You oh. know, now they're one of the bigger two-way schools. And, you know, but, um, yeah, just through the years, I think they've come up with different ideas on how to keep it safe for schools that are smaller or different ideas type thing. So, mm -hmm. Speaking of keeping it safe, so we didn't know much about CTE back, back in the early 2000s. Actually, I didn't know anything about it. I'd never heard of it. And just really the last few years, people have started to kind of, open up to the possibility that like maybe all these small head impacts are not that good for us. What do you, do you follow that research? What do you think about that? I don't think I've dove in too far into the research, but clearly it's a more of a known topic and a topic for people to feel that they should keep their kids out from participating, participating in football or, or whatever sport it is. Um, but yeah, like you said, like even probably when you played, I mean, you know, if, no, you, if we you didn't, saw we stars, you were still, you know, take a play off and get back out there. But now it's clearly like a big no-no. Yeah. You know. I, I remember doing drills where we all lined up on the ground um, and just. Old fisherman bam bam. Rammed into each yeah, other. Let's go. Over and over <laughs> again. And that was just like 
toughening up, you know, and it didn't hurt. You didn't even think about it. How about the days when you're probably out in the backyard with, you know, your fake football gear on or your plastic helmet and, you know, I mean, those were those days too. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I grew up. Older kids on the block would throw you in the mud and line you up, but that's how you kind of learned how to toughen up through it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of head I think now it's called bullying, right? Yeah. Well, so bullying, that's a very specific thing. Uh, I was, I talked to my kids about this a lot because not all picking on people is bullying. I think it has a lot to do with the power relationship. So yesterday I was standing outside with uh, my family and I was picking rose, rose buds or like rose hips, the little balls off a rose plant, picking them off the rose plant and throwing them at Elsa. Elsa's 10. She's a girl. I'm clearly much larger than her and, you know, physically she, there's not a lot she can do about this situation. The reason I was doing that is because I was like, Elsa, see what I'm doing right now? Bullying. If you were to do this to your mother, who's standing right next to, to us, or to me, not bullying because of the power relationship. I have power over you, and I have authority over you. So for me to pick on you is bullying. And beyond that, like any t- anything I do that is n- going to be unpleasant for you for my enjoyment is bullying. That's what I think bullying is. So, because Elsa is not a bully, but she likes to have fun with people. Like, she's super intelligent. And sometimes it can be annoying because she'll get in, she'll just, as a, as a fun exercise, try to get into somebody's head and, and just, you know, push their buttons and stuff. And I, I, I can see it because I understand how her head's working, but um, we started like calling her out for bullying with Sawyer and Amelia and she does not like that at all. It's funny though. I think it's also like a respect thing. Yeah. If you respect that person that's giving you a bad time, it's might not bad. But if you have an issue with that person that's bothering you, then that, you know, turn the tables turn that way. But For sure. If you like the person, you like the bully. And then why do you keep going back? Yeah. Exactly. You know. I had relationships like that with a lot of people, both directions, where like people who were older than me who would flip me all kinds of shit. And I loved it. I had no problem with it. I found it endearing. And so I did it to other people. And not until years later did I actually think back and kind of – it's a case-by-case thing because sometimes I was like, oh, yeah, no, that was definitely not cool. I should not have just like randomly sl- – I used to slap guys in the chest just really hard just because it's like – you're so thick right there. It's just like it's not going to hurt them. It would leave a handprint, and it was just like something I would do. And I would do it to people who didn't even know me that well as just like a way like, hey, you're in the club. Like, hey, we're, we're friends. And I, and I remember getting reactions sometimes from some people. And it was always in the football world. So it's like physical contact is not weird. And a um, couple kids did not like that at all. And I could tell I was like, ooh, shouldn't have done that. Um, but, you know, not everything's bullying. I imagine you didn't get bullied a lot. It wasn't called bullying then. What was it called? It was called just <laughs> we're giving the underclassmen a hard time. Yeah, you know, life. Life. Called, hazing. Just, yeah. Oh, I, I haven't mean, even heard that term for a long time. I just think that not having that, I'm not saying that all of it's good, but some of that stuff does make you grow up a little bit and figure out to toughen up a little bit. But Yeah. You know. Helps you to draw your lines. But in today's time, it's the push button access to spread the word that it just gets, I don't know, Yeah. over, over analyzed, you know, for everything. Everybody's got too sensitive and 
you know, but trying to still be respectful for everybody's feelings. That's the thing. You got to balance that. It's tough. It's even tough as like an, an outsider with when you're, when other people are dealing with this stuff, like kids are in a situation and you're in, it's hard to be like, so what? Let it go. Forget about it. Move on. And it um, can even be on the coaching aspect of it too. Oh yeah, for sure. Do you want somebody that's going to push you a little bit, hold you accountable? Or do you want somebody just going to let you kind of get away with whatever and not care? Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a lot of different coaching styles. What what kind did you like when you were an athlete? Mm-hmm. Probably a little bit more of the firm, fair, and consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, hold you accountable. It's going to challenge you, push you, but still be there for you. Mm-hmm. You know, in that be there for you, I think a lot of kids get confused in that now where maybe if you don't talk to that person every day or they, they completely misunderstand you and they're confused and then it goes home and then they really come confused the following day. Like, oh, the coach hates me. Right. Yeah. You know, and you, the, the, the old cliche, you know, the coach that's instructing you, coaching up, is one that cares. Mm-hmm. The coach that's silent to you, you know, maybe that's when there's the issue when you're not getting instruction consistently, you know. Yeah. But, you know, flipping to the side coaching girls, because that's what I've done for the last 18 years, you know, girls are, are challenging. Girls don't want to let you down, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been very fortunate that I've had a really good group of girls for the last, I mean, the whole time, you know, but especially the last six or seven years, that's a little bit more recent and a little bit more exposure and success. But I've had, you know, there's, you know, tons of good teams, tons of good players, lots of good memories. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to just be consistent with that. A lot of them come back now and say that I have gotten a little bit softer. Uh-huh. That happens. Maybe that's because of how things are now a little bit, You too. maybe just figured out how to do the job. And so you don't have to be as tense about it. Well, you would hope so. but That kind of happens. You know, you got to change and adjust to the times, too, a little bit, you know. and That's true. Be a little bit more understanding. And- Can't be Joe Will. Slapping girls or shooting rubber bands at you. Right? Yeah, man, he poked me in the belly with a pencil. <laughs> old good old coach. Yeah, but but I will say I still see him reaching out to people. Yeah, to this day on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, how many how many people did he impact in his lifetime yeah. up here? Mm-hmm. And a lot of coaches that we've had, and it's probably similar everywhere. But how many of those have actually been reflected upon, acknowledged? Say, hey, you know, we, we thank you for what you've done. And like you said, there's people that reach out to those kids or they still have somewhat of a relationship or it could be just a random message, no different than you and I sitting here like, hey, let's get together, you mm-hmm. know. So there, there's the accessibility of that, of, of, you know, keeping in contact. But for those that have those good memories of their coaches, I'm sure there's still always some type of a connection, even if years go by. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty powerful relationship. Especially for kids, because it's one of the first authority figures that is not a teacher. Right. So, and I don't know why, but teachers are like their own separate category, where they're they're unfortunately. Teachers. And I think you're finding less and less teachers that do want to be involved with kids outside the classroom. Yeah, it's dangerous. I mean, that's how I got my opportunity. Which one? Well, in coaching in general. Oh yeah. So how'd that all happen? Well, I mean. When I got done with, with college, I came back and I, I um, started. Actually, my first job was a C-Squad basketball job. Girls or boys? Boys. And I think we started at 5.30 in the morning for practice. Oh, my God. But that's when school started like 7.45. Yeah. Now it's like at what, 9? I think something What's like that. What's up with that? It's better for kids' brains is what they're saying. 
<laughs> I'm going to skip it, but how challenging is that for parents that have to wait till 9 o'clock to drop their kids off? Yeah, But I anyways, know. it worked just fine for us that started at 7.45. Yeah. But, you know, my first job was C-Squad Boys basketball practice before school. And um, but then I, you know, volunteered for um, Casey Johnson, who's now the football coach at Adna. He was my fifth grade teacher. Yeah. Good dude. Great. great I'd love people. to have his brother on this podcast to talk about the Chinook Indian Nation. There you go. Shout out Johnsons. We can get a hold of him for you. That'd be awesome. But no, yeah, I did that, and then you know, basketball, and you know, assistant track coach for many years in the throws department. But um, but yeah, and then all those all those time there led me where I'm at now. Yeah, I remember. So when he was my teacher, the high school football players would like drop in the classroom all the time. <clears throat> I thought of, I thought they were like celebrities. I remember hearing the the crowd and seeing the lights of the stadium from the parking lot of my church when I was a little kid, and it seemed like it was a uh, like a thousand miles away. And which we went to the church on the hill, so you could like see the glow and hear the people and just like those speakers and stuff. I put that on such a high pedestal. That um, like meeting those guys and everything. By the time I actually got to, even to middle school, football was just like all I wanted to be a part of. It, and not even because I loved playing. I just loved the culture. I loved everything about it. It was just such a like. It's a. I'm really comfortable in violent context. Just be, I just I don't know. I like it. Because I know that it's like that's the laws of nature apply in those situations. Once well, you can go and just be reckless and yeah, punish somebody else in a legal form, right? Exactly. And I didn't have a lot of anger to get out or anything, but those situations just make me feel comfortable. It's not even that I want to inflict any kind of pain or anything. I just I'm not worried that someone else is going to cause me pain. I'm not afraid of that. Speaking of culture, how about the times we had over at Camp Rialea? Some of my favorite, right? Some of my favorite times ever. I mean, that's yeah. we went over there. Was it July? And, yeah, I think so. We were over there all week and five days of just heat, scrimmaging, passing league, weights, competitions. We were killing it at that camp too. We had we, a great time over there. But like our team was really good. I remember we were killing it in the tug of war and like the lineman race drills. Bobby Chrislip, that guy could push a sled like nobody's business. Right, but see, like right there, that's memories that. You can't make up. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I'm sure you guys probably joke. I, how about the time that Josh Dale breaks out his boxing, boxing gloves and he starts boxing some other kid from That's another right. school? That's right. I forgot all about that. <laughs> I forgot about Josh Dale's boxing phase. I wonder if he's still doing that. Man. That was a classic. That was. And the whole camp came around. Yeah. Think, think of the trouble we could have got into if there was social media back then, right? Yeah, exactly. That... Yeah, you're not. But that's just a class. I mean, that's fight. just kind of exam. I mean, just you always remember that, even though you kind of forgot about it. But no, I, I remember now I mean, you mentioned it. That's that's sleeping in the dorm or the the barracks. I guess you would say over there. And, the sunburns, you know, that I experienced that first year at that camp. I remember actually you made a special trip back to town to get me some aloe vera because <laughs> my skin was just like falling off everywhere. I was on antibiotics that were that made me really super sensitive. Even though I was wearing sunblock, my arms and my face, the back of my neck, just crisped. Just got to a crisp. But, you know, you were saying, like, culture. So, you know, that's a thing that we did for those four years. And, you know, other coaches have other cultures and things that they do. And it's kind of sad to see that some of those things have gone away. Completely because of COVID. Uh, well, now. Obviously it's now. like nail in the coffin. You know, you might, you'll be lucky if you ever find a place where you're staying the night completely together as a team, maybe. You know, but then switching over to basketball, you know, I've put on that Battle of the Beach basketball tournament for... I think I'm on year 15 now at that. And, you know, teams love just coming here. 
Yeah. I mean, who, who doesn't like coming to the beach? I know they don't all come to the beach just for basketball. But, you know, I started the, the podcast with, you know, how is this affected? Well, when we couldn't do anything, I'll revert back to that, is you really kind of understand what is important in your life and things that you maybe take for granted or things that you miss out or, you know, all of the above. But when we couldn't go do any of that, the girls were bummed. Oh, I bet. They're like, oh, we, we missed the Battle at the Beach. We missed B&B camps. We missed going to Kashmir and go whitewater rafting. You know, so it's it's really the, the culture outside of the gym, you know, a little bit also. It's the know, whole experience. It's just the memories. Yeah. You know, all the stuff that goes on in the barracks or in the classrooms, you know, because like at B&B camps, the girls just stay in the room with, with a alumni girl or whatever and... Who knows what goes on in there, but they're having a good time. Yeah. You it's know? when you get to know your coaches and your teammates, yeah. like friends. It's it's different than just seeing each other at practice when you're, half of you are miserable and the other half are checked out. It's just like it's not the same as everyone is like in a place together and we have to be here, so we're going to hang out. Right. You make that choice to be there. Yeah. You know, so you might as well have fun. But, but yeah, no, and actually the, the little pause that we've had was actually kind of a good refreshing for myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure in some ways for everybody in some way. Definitely for me. You know, you maybe retune in on what is important to you and what you want to focus on. Mm-hmm. But um, coaching's a grind. It is. Hard work. It's it's a mental grind too. Yeah. You know, the fun stuff is when you're at your games and traveling and stuff like that. You know, the practices and the preparation and dealing with things that people don't always see that you're dealing with is a big mental strain, you know, but in the end, it's all worth it. What, do you, what would you say is the most challenging part of coaching? Probably trying to get everybody on the same page for the same vision, you know, and that could be the coaches, players, families. Mm-hmm. The main focus is the coaches and players because the old terminology doesn't matter what, you know, the, I've said it, you know, when we're in the locker room, doesn't matter what anybody says outside the locker room. It's what we need to focus on and do. Yeah. And you try to always make that best decision on what's best for yourself and the team. You're going to make sacrifices. You're going to miss out on something here and there. Yeah. But just like we said, I mean, you only got four years to do it. And, you know, there's no right or wrong decision all the time, but you try to make the best one. Did you ever, did you ever do any coaching on the younger kids for like your daughters? Yeah, I've done some of Dominique's and Sophia's um, soccer. I, well, of course, you know, and here's another thing is all of us – dads that have kids were always coaching their teams mm-hmm. that's another thing that's changed you, you know when i grew up i had a handful of adults that were in the community that a couple of them had kids a couple of them didn't and they were still putting time into the community and the, into the kids where mm-hmm. how often do you see it's always the same dad yeah coaching the same teams shout out rob cunningham there's a lot of them out there <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of them I know there's a couple of them probably like to just show up to the game and just watch their kid play and have fun and smile. That's you know? me. Yeah. I've coached a couple of times, and it was just because no one else would. And I like coaching. I do enjoy it. But it's a huge amount of work. So right. if somebody else is going to do it and do a good job, I'll let them do so it. So maybe if we can get one thing out there, it'd be great to see some people you know, step forward, especially in our community. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good things happening in our community in the younger levels. You know, I think the Youth Foundation for Committee, there's about 10 people in it that have some good visions and energy and time, but I think they're all coaching it themselves. Yeah. So let's get some people that kind of step forward and help out the kids that we have here. And they really need it. They do. I'm sure you see this too, but my kids are so just 
blessed by having any sports exposure because of the way school has been the last two years. It's it's kind of critical, I, I'd say, for their mental health. They got to have an outlet. Yeah, they got to be able to be kids, especially something that's physical and social. Right, you get to you get to see people and be with people. And all these kids, especially, are missing out on their childhood. Yeah. So we we got to provide something to give them a, a positive, you know, something. Something not through a screen. No. It's it's that's such a limited experience of the world. Right. And it's great, and it's a it's a wonderful. Well, tool. we're all guilty for it in some ways because that's yeah. just kind of how it is. But when we have that advantage, you know, it's like you. I see you posting pictures all the time about going out through the woods and finding mushrooms or just hiking. Mm-hmm. Our family, well, especially my wife and I, we try to go. You know, we've done the eight caves. I saw so the waterfall I, hey, pictures. Yeah, the waterfall. We like to go find waterfalls. So. You know, it's like trying to go out and, and enjoy the area that we live in. We live in a beautiful area. We really do. Sometimes you take it for granted. Yeah, it's easy. You know, but you forget. man, there's a lot of cool things out there. Yeah, and pretty much anywhere on the peninsula, anywhere in Pacific County, you're five minutes from adventure. You, know, you can go out in the bay and the ocean. We got rivers all over, lakes, just trails everywhere. It's a great place. Have you ever hiked the Willapa Hills Trail? There's it's old railroad grade. It goes from like. Chehalis all the way to Raymond. Hmm. It's really cool. I sprayed it several years ago, like six years ago, for Rainbow Falls State Park. We'll, um, we'll do the Discovery Trail quite a bit. From it's Milwaukee, pretty much the same as that. All the way to our it's house in Long Beach. Yeah, it's it's a blast. You know. Were you excited when they said they were going to put that in, or were you one of the people who was like, don't do it? To be honest, I don't even remember about it. Oh, really? I think it's a great thing. It's awesome. Why? I was totally against it. Really? Yeah, I, I, I don't want people developing nature. Um but I love but it. Gotta enjoy it. I use it a lot. I haven't recently, but hey, who maintains it? City of Long Beach. The whole thing. What about through a and state parks? Yes. State parks. Yeah. I'd say that's something that could improve a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of scotch broom. There's just a lot of overgrowth. Yeah, the scotch broom in particular is problematic for me. My dad goes down and walks Beards Hollow, like that's where most of it is. Lots, and there's a lot. He always brings his clippers and good, good, right? That's that need needs more to be volunteers done. like that. Yeah, really. Honestly, somebody should put together a working group where they get local volunteers like your dad and with people from the state park, with even potentially people from the county and state and get out there and get a bunch of people and just knock it out in a weekend. But you're right. There has been a lot of growth in the dunes. Yeah, yeah. A lot more houses out there. How do we go from coaching to the dunes? I don't know. It's the ramble, man. (laughs) Just ramble around. But we'll see. We did coaching. We we still probably will talk more about coaching. I love I love coaching. I think it's a great topic. We can keep talking about it. Uh, I have some specific questions Let's that I have prepared that I'll, I'd like to go through. So, you did never answer top three most talented athletes. Uh, we'll come back to it. Let you think it over. Have you ever been involved or competed in any board-sanctioned equestrian events, including but not limited to English and or Western pleasure? Who told you about that? Little birdie. So yeah, um, growing up, I, I you know actually I'll just start with this. You know, my, my mom and her family started out riding horses when they were kids, and when I started when I was a young kid, yeah, I um you know it's back then. You can, now it's just barrel racing or junior rodeo or rodeo type thing. But you know back then, you know now it's called pattern speed. Speed Racing Association or something like that, which Dominique and Sophia participated in this year. But is that barrel racing? So it's barrel racing, poles, figure eight, flags. There, there's okay, about so seven events. seven individual events. Kind of like it's, a dog show, but you ride the dog. <laughs> well, you're riding the horse. Yeah. 
But um, different than even like junior rodeo. So junior rodeo is barrels and poles, steer dobbin, you know. What's a steer dobbin? That's where they get it's right next to, to the steer and they have like a stick with a wand and it's got like some paint on it. Mm-hmm. And just like 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 when, um, you know, regular rodeo when they're still wrestling, when the guy just slides down off onto the steer and wrestles him down to the ground, this is kind of like the, the markup to it to before that happens. So the steer comes shooting out of the chutes and, and they got to put the dot on. There's a circle on the steer. That's steer dobbin. It's like pin the tail on the live horse? On the side of the steer, yeah. Wow. <laughs> But anyways, Wait, a steer, like, is that a horse or a cow? Steer's a cow. Steer's a cow. With the big horns. Yeah. Sorry, Sawyer. I know you're going to hate that. <laughs> but no, so so Junior Rodeo is kind of like that where the association that we um, grew up in was there was like, you know, seven indivi- individual events, some team events. But um, but yeah, I did that all the way through my senior, my senior year in high school, even the summer after my senior year. Do you ever win any money? It looks like a money thing. Back then, it was not for money. It was just for awards. Just for glory. But now time, you probably see people posting several hundred dollar winners of barrel racing. You know, we have several local, you know, especially females around here that ride. And every weekend, they're going to some barrel race. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back then, it was just for, for prizes. And um, if my memory is right, I was four-time state champion barrels in Washington. Wow, that's really cool. Yep. You ever think about challenging Hannah Bolden to a barrel race? Ooh, I don't know if she'd want to race me. Well, we'll see. Hannah, you hear that? She's pretty good. Uh, we got the videos to compare. <laughs> I don't show them to anybody. I would like to see that. We'll post it on the Instagram. Maybe. <clears throat> yeah. That but sounds no, like that, a blast, you know, it, honestly. It, that, was, that was a good memory, to be honest with you. A lot of good memories with that. You know, my mom still rides to the day. Um, Do you still have any horse friends? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, actually, animals that you re- have a relationship with? Maybe not in a daily contact, you know, but like Sophia and Dominic qualified for the same event that I rode into. It's over in Wenatchee, and that was the weekend that was 108 degrees oh, yeah. in August. That had to be a blast. And they rode over there, and they had a great time and ran into some people that I rode with back then that they're still riding, you know. So, so that yeah, that was a good experience, you know, thankful for my mom to give my girls the same experience because... You know, everybody needs some type of an outlet, and there's a lot of people around here that do ride horses. Yeah, it's fancy. That's that's a high class. Expensive. Sport. Yeah, well, horses yeah. are expensive. That's a they eat a lot too. Money pit. Yeah, worse than a boat. Right. <laughs> Probably boats don't eat. Well, horses break down though. Still. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's probably about an even. When you're done with a horse and you call the glue factory, do they pay you for it, or is it like this printer deal? They want you to just give it to them for free. Um, good question. I'll ask Hannah. She ask just got Hannah. rid of a horse. Yeah, let's ask Hannah. Okay, so hypothetical situation. You have to choose one pair of Peninsula brothers to fight to the death. Ian is your partner. Who do you choose? Who do we go against? Yeah, you have to pick a pair of brothers from Pacific County. Like like a no contest brothers or? What do you mean? Well, is it give you a fight or is it? Oh, it's a fight. It's a fight. I mean, not unless you pick me and my brother. Well, I was going to say beating, we can pick the Nesbitt brothers. It's a fight. <laughs> I don't know. That's a kind of a good question. That's kind of an off the wall question. That's the kind I like. Ian, he's the the younger brother, the bigger brother. Just same with my situation. Yeah. Younger and bigger, not tougher, is my guess. Would you say that's the truth? That's my situation. Well, he's never attempted to challenge the title. 
Well, he'd be a fool. Well, that's respect. Big brother. Right? There's just something about it. You well, know? it goes back to, you know, authority and hazing and stuff like that, right? Also, it's, you still have the memories of whooping his ass when he wasn't well, bigger than you? seven years difference. Yeah. So, so maybe not whooping his ass, but you, you remember the time when you were so much stronger than him, it wasn't even fair. Right. Yeah. But then when he went and played over at Eastern Oregon football, he was a pretty big boy when he came back. Gigantic. Right? Like Latimer off of that movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he, he was respectful. He didn't ever have to challenge me. But I don't know. That's a good question. It's a tough call. I mean, tough challenge for any other set of brothers to challenge us, right? Oh, yeah. Do you got any idea? Oh, well, let's see. Who are the brothers we could pick? I'll let you choose the Chalkers, too, because Cody's not local, but he was here last weekend. I don't know if that'd be much of I a... couldn't pick the Chalkers. I couldn't, couldn't do it to them. I love them too much. Uh, let's see. The Max would be probably a mistake. Also, such nice guys. Yeah. Sorry, Omens. Too small. <laughs> well, that, I want to win. It's, it's tough. It is it's tough. tough. It is tough. I don't know. Harold Brothers? Ooh, maybe, but they're redheads. Yeah. They got the rage. Jeff's got a blown knee right now, so I don't know if that'd be Okay, good. so you got inside information. Yeah. You hit. You go sideways on that knee. Sweep the leg. Drop them. Sweep the leg. Yep, and then just go right for the eyes with Tim. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That'd be tough. Just being respectful. Yeah, don't do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You ready to move on to crypto? Sure. Um, what are you most excited about in the crypto space right now? Boy, you know, I listened to your, your you and Ross's podcast that came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was very knowledgeable. But, you know, a lot of good basic information for people that, are, that don't know about it. That's what we're going for. Um, which I think was great. Um, what am I most excited about? I, th- I think it's just an opportunity. Where, where, where can, like you said, where can you go even go 50x, 100x of an investment? That's the only place. I mean, yeah, it is the only place. Um, is it volatile? Of course it is. That's part of the fun. But yeah, I mean, but it is risky. The way I kind of look at it is, you know, I've been investing in crypto for about three years now, and no different than going to the casino and putting some money down on the table. Yeah. It's a little different because you have information. It's like gambling plus research. Right. Like you can check out. If you could go to the blackjack table and be like, what's the most likely <laughs> thing to happen? That'd be way better for me. And I, I guess what I mean by that is if you go and you normally put a couple hundred dollars down on blackjack or whatever, it's like you know that you could lose it. Okay, yeah, just be That's ready I mean. to lose. But it doesn't really happen too often, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, have, I haven't completely lost a $200 investment in crypto, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but knowing that you're going to be okay with if something does happen, be comfortable with what you ever put in type of a thing. Yeah. But likely more than not, don't sell early because then you're going to be doing like, oh, I wish I left it in because it just tripled. Yeah. You know, especially now we're still in the beginning phases of this shift and no different than let's say you can say like stocks or anything else. Crypto is supported by a community. And what's the stat right now? 10 to 12% of Americans maybe have a crypto account? I Probably somewhere around there. I, I think it was up almost a 40% of people are interested in investing. Right. But who actually has money in crypto's account? Roughly. Pretty small. But, but boy, if you come in and right now, which now is a great time to pick a handful of different cryptos. And when that number doubles to, let's say, 20%, your investment's good, naturally good to double. Yeah. If you just hold still and don't freak out about the highs and the lows and the sideway trading, et cetera. 
It's hard. It's really hard. It watching watching your investment just drop, especially when you've been riding a high for a month or more, and then you just like watch it go down, watch right. it go down. And but if you don't panic sell, it eventually just goes back up. It, like, it's it's a good if you got some extra cash. It's a good thing to try probably try out if you've never tried it before. It's better than just leaving it sitting in a what savings account. What are you shrinking. making in your savings account right now? Exactly. Nothing. Mm-mm. It's not growing. And then if they keep on printing out fake money like they have, it's like, you know, the first stimulus check that we got, we put it into E-Trade. It's done very well. Mm-hmm. The next cr- stimulus check, we put more into crypto. You know, so the way I look at it, it's, it's free money. Yeah. Unless you need it for something else. Yeah. You know. But, well, it's meant to stimulate the economy. Right. So that's what we, I, mean, I, that's what I and did, if too. You, I mean, I'm sure you noticed it, too. But when all those stimulus checks came out, that's when a lot of crypto started going up. Yeah. Because people were doing the same thing. Yeah. It's the smart move. It is. If you can see where – if you could look to the future and see, like, okay, a lot of wealth is moving to digital. And it's it's going to continue that way. It's, it's turned into a black hole. Like, Michael Saylor talks about this a lot. But it's reached a point to where there's so many people investing in it that it's just pulling in more money all the time. It's just going to continue. It's And it might not always stay Bitcoin as the top dog, which actually I'd like to hear your opinion on that, whether you think it will. You no, know, I, I kind of agreed with you and Ross kind of said Bitcoin is kind of like the digital gold. Mm-hmm. It's a safe place to put some money. You know, um, when I first heard about Bitcoin, it was 600 bucks, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then I limped in when I it was at 1200 mm-hmm. You know, of course, if I could have rewound the clock, it'd be what we know now. It's... You, you probably know. at 1200 were like, God, why didn't I buy it? I'm paying this double price. <laughs> right. When really it's like right. so low. And I think people probably, I mean, don't understand. Some people probably don't understand how that works, you know, but, um, you know, you can invest in crypto at any increment that you want. You don't need to old a, own a whole Bitcoin. That's what really changed it for me was that fractional share investing. Right. Which I think they need to start doing more with NFTs. So um, I don't know if you heard the podcast, but I fancy Frenchies is an NFT product thing that they did that just came out on the Solana blockchain. You can buy them on solanart.io. And they're NFTs, non-fungible tokens. It's basically just a picture of a dog. And they're trading cards, essentially. There's 10,000 of these trading cards. Each one is different, and they have traits on them and different various percentages of rarity. So you just... You buy them based on what you think they're going to do. It's speculation. You buy them based on what you think they're going to do later. I bought one. They're not doing that great. But um, it. the point of I'm trying to make is that it was fun. I had a good time doing it, but it's expensive as hell. It's like it, the mint price was two Solana, which at the time was like 130 So it's like 260 bucks. Ideally, you'd see the floor price would go up from mint price. You'd never be able to get at that price again if it was a successful launch, but this has been not that, which sucks for my first NFT, but honestly, it's it's been worth for the experience of learning through because I'm engaged in the community on Discord and I'm trying to like, I'm trying to just learn because NFTs are something that are extremely appealing to me because they're going to be huge and it's it's obvious. Like they're going to be something that we use all the time and it just right now the technology is so new. There's so much potential for huge growth. You just have to figure out where it's going to be because some of it's going nowhere and others is just going to moon. And I think that's a good example because me personally, I haven't gotten into the NFTs. I've been reading and watching and seeing people post about it. But probably same thing with people for crypto. They're like, 
until you do it, until you buy an NFT, until you buy, you know get a crypto wallet and make your first purchase, you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah, and it especially with NFTs because it's like it's a thing. So people are like, well, what do I do with it? It's like the same thing you do with your baseball cards. You just look at them. Speaking of baseball cards, there was a baseball card boom this last year. Really? Did you collect it as a kid? I did. Do you still have them? I do. Oh, so how'd you do on that? Well, kind of funny story. So part of the pause here gives people more time to go through all their old boxes in the garage, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So and with everybody's podcasts and YouTube videos, there's all these people doing these box breaks and hobby cards, you know, basketball, baseball, football. Well, my wife's cousin informed me that I should probably go through some of my boxes because there's a big boom going on. Well, lo and behold, I started going through them, and PSACard.com is kind of like the, the main card evaluator. You can send your cards in to get get them graded. But, but yeah, I collected through the, the 80s and early 90s. Early 90s was like the the wax. You know, they, they overproduced them, so there's no value to them. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I went through some of mine, and I've had them sent off to get graded. I'm still waiting for them to come back. That's just the, the overhaul of of COVID, everybody started doing this. Um, but what has happened with the card industry is people during COVID who were sitting at home getting their unemployment check and free money, they'd go to Target and Walmart and all these stores, and they'd buy everything off the shelf. Hmm. Everything. So those are even valuable, like the brand new packs? Unopened wax is huge. I know huge. nothing about sports it's, cards. It's huge. So then what they would do is they take them home and they go to their eBay sites or whatever social media sites they have, and they'd sell them for 2X, 3X, 4X of what they just bought them for. Wow. And they'd also do, like, you know, bids on eBay and stuff like that. So that right there, the demand was taken because people would go buy these new unopened wax boxes, and people are paying ridiculous amount of money for hobby cards, you know? Which raised the value of people's cards that they have at home, and you know, and because you get a set, you or? get a set, or you're finding, you know, Michael Jordan's rookie card, or who. So if you have whoever. a Michael Jordan card, and you also have a Scottie Pippen card from '97, would well, is, you'd want like the '86 and '87. I don't know shit about well, basketball. So say, I was just taking a shot. Let's but. just say they're both their rookie cards. Okay, but is it more valuable to have like a pair of cards from two players that were like a package no. deal? No, it no. doesn't matter. It's just rarity on that specific you, piece. You want their rookie card. Mm. And you want it to be mint. Jake, my brother, had a rookie O.J. Simpson card mm. that he had in a, like, plastic sleeve. Top loader. With a, a Charizard card that oh. was a holographic. Pokemon, Pokemon cards are big time. And some kid ripped it in half, both of those cards at the same time. And that was it. That was the end. I wonder what those would be worth. That Chisard card's worth a lot of money if it's in. That's what I thought. Like, yeah. If it would have stayed in that sleeve. But like, so what I was saying is, when you send your cards to PSA, there's other companies too, and they grade them. Mm -hmm. So they're just, you know, the corners, the shine, are they centered, and then they put them in a sealed case. If you get a PSA 10 card, like Michael Jordan's PSA 10 card was like a quarter million dollars. Worth it. For a piece of cardboard. Worth it. Right. But I mean that—that's just like it's ridiculous out there of people that have invested the money into that. Yeah. And and we can talk. You know, you can talk cryptocurrency. We can talk hobby cards. And then what's the difference between precious metals too? It's all just value. Right. It's all just trying to determine but, value. But and hobby cards just a piece of cardboard, right? 
So what? But then we're saying it's just a rock, <laughs> right? Right. But gold's only worth you know eighteen hundred dollars an ounce right now, right? Is it, where is that compared to normal? Well, do you watch the show Gold Rush? No. Oh. I have. I've seen it. Well, it, about a year and a half ago, I think gold hit it an all-time high, almost $2,000 an ounce. It seems like it would hit all-time highs all the time. You would think. It doesn't? No, it goes up and down, just like cryptocurrency and just like the value of everything else. When would people ever – when would there ever be a bear market for gold? I don't think it'll ever – I don't think – I think right now it is about seventeen fifty an ounce. Does, I mean like what, what would lead somebody to – like well, liquefy their investment in gold. Like why would they what's, do that? What's the dollar backed by? Nothing. Nothing. Hope. Right? So if you got a, a big old shoebox full of cash and something happens, you know, like you guys, you and Ross were talking, you know, um, who knows? I mean, it's hope. It's an idea of this is what the dollar amounts on this dollar. But if something happens, there's no value to it. Mm-hmm. So why not put some money in precious metals or cryptocurrency or, or whatever and just spread yourself out and prepare for that a little bit? Is gold the, you know, the gold standard? I don't know. That's probably why they call it that. It's the foundation, right? Yeah. The, the dollar was backed by gold. How's silver doing? Silver's actually down right now, too. It's hmm. down to about 22 or $23 Seems an like ounce. Seems like everything's kind of down right now. Last couple of weeks, everything, even crypto. This time of year is generally pretty bad for markets. Well, there's so much of an unknown right now. That too. Are you worried at all about crypto regulation coming down? Mm. I heard there's another China ban as more more strict than before. Well, I think everybody want, is figuring it out and they want a piece of it, right? Yeah. You know, I, I don't think you're ever going to be able to take it away. It's there to either. stay. You know? Yeah. I, I think that China can do whatever they want. The United States has enough people to support a perfectly healthy crypto market. The way I kind of see it playing out is that eventually there's just going to be endless coins, different different tokens, different coins, and we're going to live in a world where you have like exchanges that are exchanges will be way more popular than they used to be. I have crypto.com and so anytime I need to do something uh with Solana or Cardano or whatever, I just bring it into that app and then I swap it for either USDC or, or te- uh, so Tether. So what, what are your three main crypto wallets? I like crypto.com for trading because it's it's quick. It's really quick and they, they do a lot of different coins and the fees are low. It's, it's really good. How it's, much crypto.com have you seen advertised on like MMA and stuff? I don't watch All, TV, but is there a lot? A lot. Especially really? crypto.com. Oh, they've gotten bigger lately, I've noticed. I've had it for a while. The last few UFC fights we've watched, they're all wearing crypto.com. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm pretty sure it's a Chinese company. I should look that up, though. Um, but yeah, so was TikTok, and that's doing just fine here. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really like that one. I actually have all of them. I, I get as many as I can just because I hate being in that moment when I'm trying to buy something and I need a specific token to do it and I can't get it and I'm just so I'm just like trying all the different apps and it's like oh you want a two factor authentication and I just like to have everything ready to go just in case because everything on crypto is so time dependent it's like your timing is everything right and you're right there are so many of them out there you know I think Voyager's good 
Coinbase is like the most. That's a beginner. Yeah, it's, it's training beginner. wheels. It's, it's very simple. But it's great. Have you ever gotten the free crypto off of Coinbase? Yeah. I mean, yeah. people don't even realize that. You just sign up an account, watch a few videos, ask a couple questions, you get free crypto. My wife <laughs> has invested $0 into her Coinbase account and only done the crypto earn yeah. thing. And she has a you know, a little bit of money in there. From you can just probably from, have 50 bucks right now if you wanted to. She has more than that. And that's probably because it's grown. She's done it just a couple weeks. So somebody signed up right now. Coinbase.com did Use all the, the free referral stuff. code yeah, from yeah, my yeah, website. Right? Well, I'm going to share mine too. But no, <laughs> Use I mean, Neds. Yeah, Use Neds. Yeah. But yeah, you can get free crypto right now. Yeah. You know, but I also have up, Uphold. I don't know that one. Yeah. And then I have crypto.com. And then that, the, I don't know if you watched um, the first Monday night game with um, Tampa Bay. I haven't watched a It's called lick F- of TV. FTX. Oh, FTX, yeah, with Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah, so you sent me that. I, uh, I did send you yeah, that. Yeah, I looked that up the next day, and I was like, oh, my God, thank – I needed it. I needed some good news that day. Yeah. It was – It was a, a, definitely made me feel a little bullish. The Tom Brady is, like, one of the most famous people on the planet, and he's doing a crypto commercial. I would say Didn't that is – Didn't he get is, paid, like, $20 million just for that? But I wouldn't be surprised. $20 million in crypto is not that much money. <laughs> Well, how many more professional athletes are announcing that they're accepting, they're getting paid in Bitcoin? Who's the football player who who accepted his half of his contract in Bitcoin and now he's one of the highest paid just because yeah. Bitcoin's value rose? I posted it. It was, um, oh, I can't remember his name right now. I should have done some research on sports before you came in here. Yeah, but there's there's a handful of them that are making an announcement that their contract is half Bitcoin. I would do that if it's I could smart. do that at my job. You know, I have, I have a coaching friend, Just I mean, this is just an example. He, and I know like numbers buys, but he put $10,000 in Bitcoin last December. Mm-hmm. Last December, Bitcoin was $17,000 roughly. What's that $10,000 worth right now? Uh, a lot. Right? A lot yeah. more than it was. Imagine if you put it in Solana. Right? Or Ethereum. Imagine even. if we put that in when it was 1200 a coin, right? I remember going to the dump <laughs> and talking to you. I don't even remember when it was, but it was during the house renovation. So it was not that long ago. And we were like, ugh, I wish we would have put it in. Or we were talking about Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was 300 bucks. 300 bucks. And now it's 600 bucks. We were talking about how 600 bucks is so expensive. I'm not going to buy it. I'll now wait till it goes back down. Yeah, now it's 10 times more. Silly. And that's just an example of what can happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen to all of them. It doesn't happen to most of them. <laughs> That's the exception, not the rule. But I mean, you know, in our short conversations with several other people, I, I've picked about around ten. Put a little bit of money in each of them. We'll see what happens. Do you have a, like a list of favorites that you think are really going to go the distance? Like ten years from now, which which of these coins do you think? Are you still know, I've kind of even there? taken off of of your suggestions. You know, Solano's one of them. You know, everybody's talking about Cardano. You know, that that's like a, you know, you look at like Twitter or any social media. Of course, Dogecoin. Which that's all social media based, but a lot of people are pushing Cardano. Cardano has a really loyal following, and they're a, they're a, a good network. Like they, they're a very uh, they seem solid from the outside. Looking but I in. think just like anything else, it's backed by a community. Yep, that's what. And it if is. you find a community that's backing something that really pushing it, probably a good thing to get in. Yeah, come on, Frenchies, <laughs> get that community together. That really is what the problem is with that specific token is that the the mint price was too sole and then 
it was a the floor price was like six. I think up to like six Solana for the cheapest one you could buy online. And then all of a sudden it started dropping a little bit, started dropping a little bit. And then they announced that there was a whale manipulation. So some person, some billionaire, was going in and buying up all of the uh, expensive fancy Frenchies and then putting them back for sale for way cheaper. Mm. Then people see that and they're like, oh, people are trying to take a loss on this. They just want out. That means this is a piece right. of shit. So it, it was bad. It's still going fairly bad. Do you, do you find people like don't want to talk about crypto? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everywhere I go. <laughs> Strange. Oh, tons of people. Well, it's because they're not involved in it and they – that little bit of vibration that you can feel, the hum of this future change that we all know is going to happen, right. those people just want to ignore that hum. And they don't want you to talk it's about like it. Some of them are embarrassed, like, yeah, I got crypto. Yeah. Like, well, because it's risky. People don't want, people want to be perceived as solid, competent, rational. Well, and just like, I mean, we're not telling people, I mean, we're just kind of talking about our experiences and stuff, but, you know, you got to have a little bit of an open mindset on this a little bit. And, and a little bit of risk tolerance. Of course. And some just genuine adventure-seeking right. uh, streak. Because it, it is adventurous to put your money at risk like that with chance that it could be hugely beneficial or, you know, ruin you. Right. Unless, I mean, most people are, hopefully aren't putting – ruinable like an amount that's going to ruin your life yeah yeah you but. gotta even make a wise decision about that yeah. you're not, it's not going to be a let me deposit it today and take it out tomorrow twice as much it's not going to happen no no it, even like losing any amount of money in investment though it, it is such a horrible feeling it's like i i have a hard time taking a loss if i i've held some stuff for a long time and known i should have sold Really, the last time the Bitcoin crashed, when it went from 65 down to 29, I thought at 50, I was like, I'm way in the profit right here. I, I should just sell what I have, move it into a, a stable coin so that it's not going to lose any more value. Right. And then as soon as it goes a little lower, I just pop it back over to Bitcoin. I make a bunch of profit. And I didn't do it because I was like, yeah, but what if it goes back up tomorrow? Like, what if it goes from 50 to 70? Right. Then I'll lose all of that juicy profit and I'll have to buy in at a loss. So it's like the classic dilemma of trying to short a stock. It's just like you either have to know exactly what's going on, which no one really ever does. No. Or you just have to risk it. Well, it's like, you know, what's your rule when you go to the casino table too? Are you a double up person or do you want to triple up? I, I do not gamble. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's another you, – But, yeah. It's the same kind of view. It's like what's your goal yeah. on investing? Are you just putting it there just to let it sit or do you want to try to get something out of it or, you know. Mine started with curiosity. How did you get involved in the first place? I had a coaching friend tell me about it. And, um, again, he told me about it at 600. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like, wow, what are you talking about? What's this invisible – you can't hold it. <laughs> you know, but you could kind of sense that it was something there, right? Yeah, you kind of sensed it. Um, but you know, you need the people behind it, right? Well, and you, you know, oh, do I need six hundred dollars to get into it? You know, but you yeah. do, you don't, you know, and you know, it's you did then though, didn't you? I didn't, not was until twelve hundred. Coinbase around then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't see. I didn't have Coinbase until just a couple years ago. I didn't even know it existed. Uh, so what kept me from getting into crypto for? A long time, really. I, I, I saw it come out when it came out. I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Can't wait till that's a thing. But clearly now is not the time to get in. 
I was very wrong about that. Um, and it was just because I was so broke. Honestly, it was like a hundred bucks. I, I could have easily, um, you know, survived. But that was more money than I had at the right. time. So I didn't. I didn't. And get everybody's in. in a different position. Yeah. You know, maybe that hundred bucks is important to you that month, and you are paycheck to paycheck. You know, it's yeah. probably not a smart thing. No, a terrible idea to invest in crypto if you're paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> right, right. You need that money. But for when food. you get to that time in your life where Hey, you're looking for a little excitement, something to maybe check out the price every morning when you wake up. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, it's kind of fun. It is really fun. It's I, I've invested so much time into just doing crypto research because I want my investments to be smart. I want I want things to happen for me based on those. I don't want to just I'm not gambling. That's the thing is I'm not right. trying to gamble. I'm trying to invest, and it's it takes time, but it's it is really enjoyable. Well, it's like. The power of people that have invested into their 401k, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what the, the years ago, back in what, 07, 08, when everything kind of, I mean, how many people that had a ton of retirement money sat there and then they lose a third of it? Yeah. But they don't have any power to be able to take it out. Because they're not reached the limits yet. Well, and they got somebody else handling their funds, right? Mm-hmm. They pay somebody to be responsible for their account. Or, you know, even like for my instance, you know, I have a retirement, you know, and you elect your 10 different areas that it wants to go in and each month it shoots money in there. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. the only thing you can do is kind of like move it around to something different. You know what I mean? Yeah. It gives you like three choices of risk tolerance. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And you have to wait to even touch that, you know, for for you until what, another 25 years, right? Yeah. I think I'm 55, I think is when I get to take mine. So, I mean, you know, we're here. If I want to do a penalty. You know, with crypto or stocks, with E Trade or, or whatever, I mean, you have you have a little power to like move things around a little bit if you want. Yeah, you know? that's what I like about it the best yeah. is that it does give you autonomy, financial autonomy, where you don't have to be dependent on banks. I don't like having to get permission to spend my own money. It bothers me, uh, especially because banks aren't open on weekends. Banks aren't insomniacs like me. They're they, maybe I want to buy something for a few thousand dollars in the middle of the night. I should be able to do that. And with crypto, I can. Yeah. I love it. Right. And it never turns off. What it's about just, if, like, you you know deposit a paycheck and you have to wait three days, business days, to be able to withdraw it, right? Exactly. Or, I mean, banks do lots of things that are just completely shady that would never fly if it was, like, fair. <laughs> but I don't know. They're a necessary evil, I think. But Things are changing. They are. They are. Do you think they're going to do a central bank digital currency? I've heard a lot about that lately. I wouldn't be surprised. They'd be foolish not to Yeah. at this point. I wonder if they would do it through – if they would build a whole separate blockchain and try to make like a U.S. government blockchain that's designated for currency or if they would just like try to piggyback on – get some of that Polkadot blockchain. <laughs> It'd be smart, right? You ever get into Polkadot? I, th- I do have a little bit. I like Polkadot. I really do. I just like the name. That's how I started. <laughs> that's honestly that's how I got into most of the coins I like. Um, Solana caught my eye because I like their symbol and their name, and then I didn't buy it, and then I watched it just balloon and just haunts me. Well, how many of those, like even a year ago from now, that you kind of saw? It's like ah, uh, I haven't really heard much about it, you know, and it's maybe it was a dollar or whatever, and now it's thirty-seven dollars. What do you think about Shiba Inu? I did get some. Everybody's getting it. But you it's can a get, meme coin. You can get so many of it. That's what they're that's what they want you to think. <laughs> the I, I don't get it. I don't get the meme coins. 
Like what but is it? But to be honest with you, I put amount of money in there. It's oh, it's okay. I I no. This is it, what it's, pisses it's, me off. You, you could put a hundred dollars in there and get like eleven million of these coins. I know, I know, and, and then they could it's, just. It's like grow. not even close to being a penny a coin. It's like I don't even know what decimal point it is. It's down there. <laughs> a lot way. of zeros in between. But even if it goes up one decimal, that's ten percent, right? Yeah, or ten x. But again, it's it's about the community. Yeah, it, how's the community on that? Uh, you a bunch see, of people who want to get rich off of uh, right. riding coattails, right. Dogecoin. But again, it'd be just the same thing. It's like, oh, why didn't I just put a little bit of money in it? I'm already feeling like that because I've been watching it for a year. Right? <laughs> I, my, my cousin told me about it. He's like, yeah, I got some of it. Well, how much did you get? And he got, well, I got 11 million coins. And it cost him 80 bucks back then maybe to do that. Maybe even 60. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll be kicking. I mean, the year from now when I'm like, when it's gone up two decimal points, you're like, Ned, why didn't you just tell me to get some? Yeah. Right? <laughs> My thing, though, is like, okay, so that is such a blatant derivative. It's very clearly a derivative of Dogecoin. So they're trying to take some of that heat sure. and just, you know, into this next coin. That makes me think, well, what exactly is, is it that they're trying to sell beyond that? Are they just going to do the meme thing? And if they are, maybe it will get you rich, but well, I don't know. Maybe a side off of the NFTs, right? It's, it's very similar, actually. I mean, yeah, it's all, I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I think there's so much possibility out there. You just got to find a couple of them or yeah. one. Yeah. Really, that that one special one. Right. And then you can do a lot of failures because it doesn't matter. You're right. loaded. So just get a little bit tonight. Yeah. I'm I'm on a buying freeze. <laughs> I'm not buying anything for a while. Actually, I just bought some Cardano the other day. I love Cardano. It was down to like two bucks. Yeah. It was at three not long ago. A month ago. It will be back to three very it soon. Um, I think once, I think like, so these next couple months, I think everybody's very hesitant. I, I think the, so Cardano was hot and it was just cranking. And then all of a sudden Solana passed it and everyone started talking about Solana. Right. Kind of forgot about Cardano a little bit, but it'll be back. It's a solid technology. They're spreading across Africa, I've heard. I don't even know what that means, but they keep saying it. Sounds good. Sounds good. That's a huge continent. <laughs> it's it's gotta be good. But I, I think I think it's a safe investment. Yeah. It seems like they really try to invest in the technology and not so much in the hype. There's not a lot of branding done for Cardano. Like Hodgkinson or the the guy who's in charge of all mm -hmm. that, he's just kind of like a squatty guy with a beard. Well, no different than any a lot of the other cryptocurrencies. As soon as we can use the Dogecoin like Elon Musk, but as soon as you see other big business start saying we accept Bitcoin, you know how many in this last year we went, we saw PayPal and a bunch of other things. Oh, we accept Bitcoin. You know? Visa just bought an NFT, right? For a hundred grand, hundred fifty grand. Same thing's gonna happen when they start accepting these other ones. Yeah, you know, like you said, just set set yourself up for accessibility and. Be able to use crypto when you want it and how you want it, and nobody's going to tell you how to do it. And can you think of a use case for an NFT that you would be excited to buy? <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get in the NFT thing. I need to. I'm talking an average person, like a ticket to an event or something that could be a digital collectible, but is not a trading card. It's not a fancy fucking Frenchie. I don't know. Logos. Logos, it needs to be something that has a unique generation, like generation, like it's created from something. I'm trying to think of ways to to make a bunch of money. And I think that NFTs is a very good idea. So I had this idea. Green crab, European green crab. 
It's an invasive species, right. ravages the coast. It's been very hard on the East Coast, really all over the place, anywhere they're, they're found in the United States. We have them in our little backyard estuary, Willapa Bay. Mm-hmm. They have been there a couple of years. They're not fully established, but they're, they're, they're there. And there's, there's quite a few of them. So there's not a lot you can do with green crab. You can't eat them. I mean, you can. They probably don't taste very good. They're just like small, ugly, mean little bastards. And they are going to cause drastic changes to our ecology. The state has almost zero funding available to work on control. They do want to do research, so they'll help organizations do research on collecting data, but they don't want to actually control them, which is a problem for the people who make their money on the bay, like the oyster growers and things like that. So my idea, do an NFT of, well, call them crusty crabs probably. The the cheesy little kid names seem to be the ones that really pop off. What was the... Bored Apes Yacht Club, like they're they're cartoons basically, cartoons that somehow accumulate value based on rarity. It's confusing, but it's very similar to the the trading card thing. Anyway, make these crabs and then use that money to fund a nonprofit that goes out there and actually removes the crabs from the bay. So you like, let's say you're somebody in I don't know Louisiana and you no well, New York and you have a little extra money. No, nothing against Louisiana. I just imagine it with a lot of poor people. Um, and so you, you're like, all right, well, here, I'm looking for an NFT. Boom, here's this Krusty Krabs. Oh, you guys will help the environment? Environmental stuff that actually translates to real-world progress, I think those are going to be the NFTs that make a big impact. What about all the local like wildlife NFTs? Well, hopefully they'd buy them too. I mean, can, you could probably come up with the humpback whale and – Everything else, I think right? as long as it actually ties into reality in some way. So I just saw this this launch that happened last week called Soul Trees. And it's just the actual NFTs are not that great. Mm. They're just small pixelated tr- pictures of trees with different traits on them, different colors and sunglasses and whatever, characters. And people are buying them. And there's like I'm, – I'm in the Solana network if anyone hasn't figured that out already. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where I've been looking. So that's the things I see. But there's Ethereum NFTs that are far more popular and more expensive, and that's why I'm not looking at them. And there's Cardano NFTs, which are probably cheaper, actually. I haven't actually looked into those. But a friend of mine was showing me his gnome that he got. Top 100 gnome hmm. costing, I don't know, some amount of Cardano. But it feels so weird to be talking about collectible gnomes um, as a 32-year-old man. Um, but that's the world we're living in, Frenchies. Um, but yeah, where was I? Trees. So when you buy one of these NFTs for a, a soul tree, it costs you two Solana. It's like a, you know, right now probably two thirty. Two thirty. Is it that low? I don't know. Should I check? Yeah. It was three hundred bucks <laughs> just recently. So volatile. But yeah. And when you buy one of these things, that organization who's created the NFT donates a certain amount of money to an organization that plants trees. So every time you buy one of these, they plant a thousand trees. And 
that's really cool. And I think people will get behind ideas like that where it actually does something in the real world. We'll come up with a bunch of them so they have more to buy. Yeah, there you go. You build a whole metaverse. Yeah. That's what they are actually doing. I stole that idea from Soul Trees. They have a, uh, the metaphorist where your tree that you buy gets to go. And you can go there and you have – everything is digital. It's just – it sounds so ridiculous talking to normal people who I know are listening that, <laughs> that uh, I would be even considering the idea of paying $300 for a fake tree that goes – Just a picture. Yeah, it's just a picture and it's in a fake world. It's a video game tree basically. Um, video games are getting very tied in with NFTs also. Right. Like, do you play video games? Not anymore. Do you wish you did so that when the NFT <laughs> games come out, you can be good at them? Maybe so. <laughs> I actually have caught myself feeling like, God, I wish I would have tried a little harder at video games. I don't, I'm very bad at them, almost as bad as I am at basketball. But if there was suddenly a way to make millions of dollars in basketball, I'd be practicing. I would be practicing. Make a basketball NFT, right? If there's a way, if there's a will, there's a way. But yeah, I don't know. I've, I've been talking too much. Let's see. We need to talk more about you. Okay. Oh yeah, I. This is just a curiosity. But what's the crypto that they mine on iPhones that you were you were talking oh. about? Bitcoin. Oh, it is Bitcoin. Yeah. How does that work? It's kind of like one of those things where they just. <laughs> It powers in your, you know, on your phone at all times. So you kind of got to like let that page be open in your phone. So of course it uses your battery. It doesn't use a lot, but long as you just keep it running, like every I don't know, twenty four hours, thirty six hours, you get a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a Bitcoin. Uh huh. So it's gonna take a while. Yeah. But it's similar to like, you know, you can pass. I can pass that on to you, and you can do it, and then I get a little bit more because you're doing it. So it's a pyramid scheme. Well, I mean, however you want. I mean, it's a referral. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, a pyramid scheme but, I mean, is a specific I, thing. I haven't it's not got, what it is. I haven't got enough to where I can withdraw any, mm -hmm. but I think you need to do a lot or you need to have a lot of people in the community. It's just like, have you heard of the Pi crypto? No. Uh -uh. So I probably heard about it a couple of years ago, and it's it's no value to it right now. But again, just every 24 hours it runs on your phone and you start, you earn a certain amount of pie. And the more people that come into this pie community, the less amount of pie you get because they're only giving out a little bit. Oh, is it proportional? But it's also- Is there some kind of a pie chart you can look at? Yeah, you can see the where, where it's at. How, there's like over 25 million people that are trying to get pie. That's what it's called. PI. PI on their phone. And again, I can share my link with you and you can do it too, but I also get more extra pie. Um, I, I have a lot of people that are actually doing it. Now, is it worth anything right now? No. But it's an investment in possible it, it could. future. I mean, look, look at, I mean, look where everything's come. I mean, there, there's a community, I think there's some PhD, um, PhDs from Stanford mm -hmm. that have backed this. They've got some good PhDs there. I mean, why not? It, it's kind of like that risk-reward. It doesn't cost me a penny. It just uses a little bit of my phone battery a little bit. Mm -hmm. And for the last two years, I've been earning this pie. You and know, it could come to nothing or it could It could be come to nothing. Could be just, but you're, you're on your phone every day anyways to check something. Yeah. Why not push a button every 24 hours? Crypto keeps me on my phone a lot more. I might more. have to share that with you. Yeah, I'll check it I out. I mean, it doesn't cost anything. I'm about to get a new phone. My phone is completely full of videos. Actually, I've had my phone for like three years now. It's lasted really? a long time. But how much, are great. how much information is on these things? Yeah. 
Do you lot. really? I mean, even in the crypto world, yeah. the two FAs and your passwords. Yeah. There's a lot of money sitting right here, right? Losing a phone is a major deal. Whew. I mean, the cloud helps a lot. Have you written down all your stuff? Not that I want to come find it, but... Yeah, I keep it right over here in this drawer. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you, you, I mean, you have to have somewhere where you yeah. save it, because seriously... I, I double back up, so I have two spots where I keep all right. of my, like, handwritten And this isn't keys. to, like, try to find, but I mean, like, yeah. you really no, no, got to be that safe with if you're all listening, your crypto you need to be stuff. very, very careful with where you keep your key right. phrases. right. Um, which is something that but I... But even if something happens to us, yeah, you know, our spouses need to know, like, oh, they got... How much money do they got in here? You know? Yeah. I want it, you know, but... Yeah. I just got life insurance today, actually, for yeah. the first time. Congrats. Thank you. So I'm worth more dead than I'm alive. I'm worth quite a bit, too. I think if I die, my back, back, gets, to, back to our hiking trips every once in a while, I feel like I'm going to get pushed off every once in a while. Stay close to that. I hold on to yeah. the wall. Yep. Got to. Now I will. Before that, I was definitely worth more alive, but now I don't know. Life insurance is kind of an interesting thing. It's a very strange thing. It feels weird to sign up for. Think about your own death. I mean, it's security for your family. Yeah. It actually felt really good. I, I would have thought it would have felt kind of like anxiety-provoking. But the idea of me being dead, while that is a little anxiety-provoking, the thought of my family getting a check for a bunch of money is kind of good. At one. least you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. And, of course, they... Your time with your family is super valuable. Yeah. And, of course, that doesn't make up for it, but at least that they wouldn't have the stress though. out. It would a little. I can imagine it making up for it a little bit. Well, yeah, it makes it work. So you don't stress. You don't have yeah. – you're not going to be worried about you're not having that salary come in, yeah. right? Poverty is no fun. It's, 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 I'd say it's one of the worst things for your mental health. And if you're dealing with a major loss on top of that, you're, you're fucked. Right. So it's probably good to have life insurance. I got Melissa life insurance too, hmm. which also felt weird. You guys are good to go. Yeah. But it was weird to sign up for. Yeah. It's like, oh. I don't uh, – thinking about death is is whatever. It's I'm, I'm not somebody who's real um, averse to it. I like to talk about it actually. It, it makes me feel better because it's something that we're all going to go through. It's something that – a lot of people face on a daily basis with the people around them. So it's good to probably talk about it and that we acknowledge that it's going to happen for everybody. But it's yeah, it can still be pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you set yourself up or you set your family up, you feel yeah. better about it. <laughs> when I was like uh, probably 14, 15, or actually even younger than that, early days of the internet, uh, right like maybe a year after we got our first computer in my house, I found this website called thedeathclock.com hmm. and you put in your information about your demographics like your age ethnicity all this stuff and then it asks you a couple of lifestyle questions and I remember one question in particular that I found very strange but it had a huge impact on the final result and it was whether you like your your disposition and it, the options it gave you were optimistic pessimistic or sadistic which don't seem like they're all in the same category like you can be an optimistic sadist like that just means you're you know you like to hurt people but you think <laughs> it's going to turn out okay <laughs> it's like anyway we did it my whole family we're all just all excited about it and like not taking it all that seriously me and jake and my sisters and it was all it was putting our dates like you know 70 years in the future and we like we're having fun with it and my dad came in the room and <clears throat> Granted, 
the internet's brand new. He doesn't know the accuracy of this thing or whatever. AOL.com. It was it was we didn't have AOL. That was a little bougie for us. We <laughs> we were just on that CenturyLink dial-up. CenturyTel probably back yeah, then. Yeah, CenturyTel. It was CenturyTel. CenturyTel. But um terrible company. Um we put in my dad's info and so it was like May um 2001. I actually remember the year. Hmm. Uh 2001 and put in his info, and click. He said he's going to die on July 21st, 2001. So it's like a couple months away, and it threw him into a spiral. <laughs> and, like, he didn't know how it came up with that or, like, I think probably his knowledge of statistical programming was probably fairly low at the time. And, um, yeah, I don't remember how I got with that, but I remember the death clock thing being, oh, yeah, mortality. Um I remember being a kid and being like, wow, this is actually legitimately upsetting my adult father. This, and it was weird to me. I was like, how could you be so upset about something on the internet? And lo and behold, he survived. Your dad, your dad was a skilled um, painter. Yeah, he still is. He just doesn't do it really anymore. But yeah, he, he's definitely good He had the shop down that. in Iwako. Mm-hmm. Did you ever work on one of your cars? He, he did. did. the prelude, didn't he? Did. He did, yeah. yeah. I remember that. The old 89 prelude. 89, Wow. I you had that, two of those cars? I did. Yeah. You drove that Prelude for a long time. A long time. Um, we, should we talk about those two cars for a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about the Prelude. So, yeah, I picked up the 89 Prelude the um, summer after I graduated. Wow, that was your your car for basically your, like your 20s then, the yeah, Prelude. Yeah. For two versions. A handful full years. I don't remember you driving anything else until you got that yellow truck, <laughs> which was weird because it was, it was too Ned. Right. Too Ned for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I got the Prelude. And it was a silver Prelude and tinted the windows. and It was a good car. Yeah, they're cool. Um, took it to college with me and took it to Central for the first year. And then I went to Clark College in Vancouver. And, yeah, I was, like, right by the mall in, in Vancouver um, at a stoplight. Big, big Vancouver city dump truck rolls right into the back of me. Oh, man. And, you know, I just rolled up the, the back and the, the, the hood and everything. Took your dad and came out brand new. Yep. He did good work. He did. He That's did. a lot of my childhood, standing there watching him do that. I bet. I bet. Probably a lot of good memories down there too, huh? Yeah. ton. Yeah. He, I, he always had your guys' you know, youth football team photos. I yeah. remember seeing those down there. Yeah. He was involved in the first group of people yeah. that got the that first whole got program it going, going. Going again. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the youth programs, I mean, it's like Chris Kino and there Chris was a and lot Jamie of people. Kino and yeah. My dad was one of them, Butch Smith. Yep, they were big. Um, there was a few more. But back then, there was two teams. Yeah. And like, 25 cheerleaders or something right there, right? Way more cheerleaders than football players, it right? seemed like. It was crazy. Yeah. And I think that's that's hard probably to see too with people that started the, that foundation there and see where we're at now. Larry Peterson. That was another really? one of them. Hmm. Um yeah, that was a huge deal because before that we didn't have football. It just no. wasn't a th- until junior high. Right. Well, and that's how it was when I was in school. We didn't play tackle football until 7th grade. Mhm. And I think there's some pros and some cons. I think the younger flag football thing that's a good concept now. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, fifth and sixth graders playing tackle football. Mm-hmm. But they probably should at least learn how to play the game first at yeah. second, third, and fourth grade. That, I mean, that's just my view. I know? think the best way that they could do it would be the, that, to teach them the game yeah. without contact. Learn how to catch, throw, yeah. 
grab tackle. a flag, you know. Learn how to you know. connect with another person. Oh, this is a wide receiver. I don't got to – I mean, all those nights I remember driving by the park and those kids are toting around the helmet and the pads and they can barely move in it, you know. But yeah. it's like it's like that nationwide. I mean, that's just kind of how it was. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you want to dissect it a little bit, yeah, I think flag football is good for the younger, younger kids. It's also a blast to play. Right. I love playing flag football. We didn't have Sawyer. Actually, we played flag football when I came back in the men's league over in Astoria. Oh, really? Yeah. I bet that was fun. It was fun. Yeah. You don't get nearly enough uh, sports as an adult. There's not, not that many options anymore. Not around here anymore. Yeah. Seems like you know, when Actually, when, when I first came back in the late 90s, Astoria Park and Rex had flag football, volleyball, softball, basketball. Probably. Softball is huge. Um, you know. But yeah, that's kind of like a dying breed too. Yeah, I remember seeing softball tournaments at the park uh, the like time. every weekend, all the time. But um, yeah, we didn't have Sawyer in football the last few years, and just because when all that CTE research came out, it it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, and he was, I mean, he's seven or eight years old at the time, and it's just like I'd rather just avoid avoid that headache. Pun yeah, you played. I did play, and I loved it. It was like some of the best uh, memories I have. That's kind of like that's a tough one because then you become the protective parent. Of course, you want the best interest for the kids. Yeah, but I I do love football, and so we're considering letting him play next year. Because I think that after after middle school, you're in high school, you're not going to be getting exposed to nearly as many impacts. No. Like well, and they really limit that stuff now. Yeah. Not that I've locked a lot of practices, but it seems like they barely even touch each other at practices now. Yeah. God, that'd be boring. Right? Oh, I mean, my God. How, how many times did we just, like, pound each other? That was all I wanted to do. Right? <laughs> I would just, like, I would endure everything else just for the times when you get the Who is the one somebody. person that you never wanted to, like, go against or tackle? Mm, I'll answer this honestly. Probably Jeff. Jeff was really hard to tackle. Alex Martin was really hard Alex, to tackle. Yeah. Eddie was not hard to tackle, but I could never catch him. <laughs> um, we had a lot of very good athletes. We did. Yeah, we did. That was that was a good group. But oh god, RJ, RJ was RJ's pretty, another one. Pretty hard yeah. to tackle. Broke his neck. <laughs> he used to go hard. Yeah. Broke his broke his neck. I wonder what he's doing these days. I haven't seen. I haven't seen him, him for about years. about five years now. I saw him up at the transfer station and, you know. I think I saw Michael yeah, last. About the same, too, about the same timeline. I always really liked those guys. Yeah. Michael and Ray and RJ. Speaking of all those guys, you know, all, you guys, I mean, what about the weight room? Yeah, that was a great community. Right? I mean, look at, some of them are still doing it. Look <laughs> at Hilton. I, I know, I was going to get to that, but I mean, like, that was the culture, too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, some kids took it more serious than others, but it was at least you did it. And it helped. Yeah. Oh, I in particular remember a day like a couple weeks after I had started lifting. And this is like 10th grade probably. So started for the year, like in the fall um, or midsummer, I guess it would have been. And I remember you coming up to me and be like, dude, I need you to every day when you come in here, do two sets of overhead squats because your your squats are terrible. And I was like, my squats are terrible? I, th- I'm sure, I thought it was good squats. And then I filmed, not filmed, but like uh, watched myself in the mirror 
terrible squats. And so I started, and I to this day, I love to start a workout with some overhead squats because it opens up your chest, opens up your back, like forces your spine to engage and support the weight of your body. So thank you for that tip. You're welcome. My squats are still terrible, <laughs> but... But that, how, how that, lucky were we for the weight room that we had? Oh, God. How did that even happen? Where did that money come from? That was a grant back in the early 70s. And I, if, if I remember the story right, it was either Ocean Beach School District or Toledo. And somehow we won and looked at that gigantic stadium that's... That had to cost a million dollars. Back then, probably so. The, I mean, what about just the Nautilus equipment? All well, of those you're talking about the, I'm talking like the stadium. Well, the stadium in, in the first place, the fact that it's that huge. thing is there. Yeah, it's enormous. Right? Bigger than every other school around, <laughs> like by far. Yeah. Now, so big that they can't maintain it. It's falling right. apart. It's sad. Yeah. It's sad. But yeah, the, the underneath... Yeah, no, the nautical equipment was like a, a grant matched by the boosters. And that's how we got that. But, you know, what's really sad now is it's not down there anymore. Oh. The weight room's up in the the rooms that connect to the um, cafeteria in the high school down the junior high hall. It might be the best way for you to understand it. So when you come into the school and you take a left to go down to the shop, mm-hmm. those two rooms that divided, that had the divider down. Oh, yeah, open yeah. Up, that's the weight room now. Weird. Yeah. The health room. That was the health room when I was in middle <laughs> school. But, you know, like... You know, like you were saying, moving on to, like, people that are still lifting now. Like, can you imagine Jeff playing football right now? Yeah, I totally can. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, Alex Martin, you continue to lift. Alex Martin played semi-pro. Right. He, he did for, I think, for a year after he uh, after he was out of high school. Right. Yeah. I, I, I was never as fired up for, for athletics as those two, but... The, I, I understand the benefits that I got from it. I just didn't ever have the natural drive or, or ability. Those two are a couple of the But how standouts. many people do you see, like, they come out of high school and then all of a sudden they're a runner? Yeah. Like you? That was me. I mean, like, I mean, just as a, or people are a diehard fitness person mm-hmm. or they're lifting. It's like if you would have done that in high school, imagine what would have happened, right? Yeah. But, it's, again, it's it's a – Something that they enjoy doing now. It's different. They look at it a little bit different. It's a hobby. It's an activity. It's the way they get your mind off things, you yeah. know. But I don't know. I think running is a lot easier than football. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, yeah. You just do one thing. You just I can run, but football is uh, mentally very. It's a very tough sport. It's hard to. It's hard to make yourself go to practice in the middle of the f- late fall when it's, it's raining, raining and cold and your your gear is already wet before you even put it on from yesterday and you know you're like, doing like 10 gassers at yeah, practice that i believe it or not i looked forward to the gassers <laughs> i was fat and i but i was also kind of fast so you were fast people would not expect me to be in the front of the pack so that was like the gassers especially gassers because that's that's a distance that's i can wind up and really just go right. i can stride it out decently so I, that's where i got a little bit of my glory was like the gassers, but God, the just the. Do you think the kids do gassers nowadays? I hope so. I don't think so. I don't know. They probably don't know what one is. I wonder what practice is even like now. Like if they're, because uh, football, even when the coaches weren't actually being mean, they still pretended to be mean. It's part of football culture. Like it's it's like the military. Right. It actually, probably is comes probably from that. It's just like do you that. think coaches can grab your helmet and face mask and? Oh, I bet they can't touch. I bet can't you can't touch anymore. the kids at all, especially not their butts. <laughs> <laughs> that used to be real big. Right. Fuck. 
Things have changed. Yeah, they have. Yeah, I don't see a bunch of butt slapping going on anymore. No, probably can't do that. Probably not. No attaboys. No. Quarterbacks probably can't talk That's about why the centers anymore. They, they're in shotgun now. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> they actually have me for a second. No, like, no under center yeah. snaps. It's pro- problematic. Right. Avoid that. Did you see those pictures Hilton posted on Instagram? Yeah. The guy's a mountain. Right. His traps are so huge. If I had traps like that, I could squat better, you know? There's something to rest the bar on. It just hurts my shoulders, you know? Hurts my neck bones. He looks good. He looks great, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of He's him. He's had some, you know, rough, rough goes and... For sure. You know, but it's good to see that he's doing well. He's also had a lot of plateaus, uh, just physically, like in his lifting career. I don't know that he ever wanted to be a bodybuilder, but he's starting to look like one. But he went, like, five years without getting much bigger. Like, he, and he was still training that whole time. But just recently, he's really it's starting to pay off. He's getting huge. He looks like he's got a lot of testosterone. <laughs> yeah, That's a good problem. Do you still work out? No, I don't. Well, I mean, occasionally at Snap, I'm, I'm more of a like, let's go out for a walk or a bike ride person now. Me too, sadly. I don't want to be. The motivation there to go for 60 minutes working out. You know, my wife on the other half, she's a workout machine now. Really? Yeah, she loves it. But, you know, you kind of value your time a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, do you have an hour or whatever to go lift? I don't. You know, I mean, I'd rather go when it's nice. Let's go outside and walk or something. I don't want to go inside and, you know. So it's yeah, just how it you value it. It's just like an economy of time yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah, like, for, for years. Yeah, lifting, working out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever play basketball anymore? Do you open gym? No, I haven't. You were a good basketball player, right? Well, I was all right. You had a Nike swoosh tattooed on your body. We don't need to talk about that. We could, though. We could. (laughs) That's one of those things you learn from your your choices, right? Yeah. I haven't played open uh, gym probably for, I don't know. It's been a while. Really? It's been a while. I never have been to open gym once in my life. I took Sawyer there last week or two weeks ago, um, and he was talking about how it's like they're playing with older guys and stuff. It's like, I'm proud of you for going. That's well. That's how it always super was. Super intimidating. When I was that age, I mean, you yeah. went up and played against the older guys. But it keeps pussies like me out. <laughs> like you don't even try, yeah. because it's like, oh no, I'm not gonna go get manhandled by these men. Right. I don't know. I was proud of my kid. It's 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 brave to go in there and play against people who are bigger, or even play with people because you're gonna. And let sometimes them down you get good things out of it, and sometimes you don't. Yeah. But, but that's part of it. Physically going against an older, stronger person, it's good for you. Yeah. And that's how the really good players get crafted, is they just get the right kind of exposure. Or just being a gym rat. Yeah. Just get all of the exposure. No matter what you do. Yeah. You know, if you want to be good at something, you can't just show up half the time. Yeah. Really, for anything, that goes outside of sports, too. Yeah, yeah I go through that sometimes, trying to figure out where to invest my energy. It's just like, I could easily make a job out of this podcast out of being a crypto trader or uh, or out of my actual job and and what i mean by that is i could easily spend eight hours a day doing any of those things and if it made me enough money i'd be happy to do any of them sure but um right now it's not the case i right. wish I yeah wish i think what the perfect job is when you can do something like that right when you yeah. enjoy what you're doing and don't mind doing it and... exactly yeah i think that's the ideal is to figure out something that is actually enjoyable that you don't have to wake up and dread going to work but is actually providing value to you and to the world like there's a perfect job for everybody out there somewhere it's just harder to find it for some people well you view things different as you get older 
That's true too. As a younger person, it's like, oh, do I really want to wake up and go to work? You know, do I have to? You know, but when you're a little bit older and you have your kids, you ha- you, you got to provide for them. Yeah, it's just not going to show up on its own. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you don't have a choice. You at don't. That time. You don't feed them; they die. And you got to keep them alive. Well, they got to drive over to Dutch Brothers just to get their coffee now, right? Oh, that sounds like a story. Right. You got you got daughter troubles. Oh no no. But Wait, how I, old is how old is this your younger one? Sophia's thirteen. It's thirteen. Okay, I was gonna say she's not driving yet, is she? No. Dominic's nineteen. Yeah. But how many kids just drive over to Astoria just to go to Dutch? A lot. It happens all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. That that's something I wouldn't have predicted. Is the coffee coffee stand boom? Did you buy stock in Dutch? No. I did. Did you? Yep. When they put this one in Warrington? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. They just announced like. Three weeks ago, that Dutch was available on a, on the exchange. Oh, they did an IPO. Yeah. Were they private before that? I think so. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's probably probably a good investment. I thought, what the heck? Yeah, if your daughter's, you know, yeah, if she drives thirty stuff. minutes to go get Dutch, might as well. I'll drive thirty minutes for a burrito, but not coffee. I can get that in a pill form. Yeah. But again, like that, that might be different of the activities that they choose to do now. Yeah. You know, you could say back in the day around here, everybody either went down to the beach or hung out in Chico's. town. Chico's. After games. Remember Chico's after oh, yeah. games? What happened to that? Gone. Chico's is barely open. It's sad. Yeah. Kevin dying probably had a big impact on And that's, again, that's the whole tradition culture, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, for years, you know. Yeah, that was the spot. That was the spot. Even when it was before they did the remodel, it was just a little shoebox. Mm-hmm. Everybody went in there after the games. There was a hole in the wall from in the boys' bathroom you could see outside. Like, Hopefully it wasn't into the girls' bathroom, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I have, like, so they, I was probably five or six years old, maybe even younger, when they remodeled. But I remember the old Chico's in, like, the way you remember stuff as a three- or four-year-old. Like, everything was gigantic. And, like, the—I don't remember any of the words, but I remember the Chico's— carved statue guy mm-hmm. and I would always rub his belly and the bathrooms had moons on them. I remember or that. Or carve your nave into the table. Yeah, I, I wasn't old enough to do that. And then by the time I was, I was like, oh, that's kind of a shitty thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, didn't do it, but I bet you Jake Nesbitt's name is on that oh, one of those tables couple somewhere. of them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, instead of doing something like that, they're like, oh, let's drive over and go to Taco Bell or, yeah, you know, it's just different. Yeah, I'd love to have diarrhea. Let's go get Taco Bell. Speaking of uh, random road trips, so I was watching Tattoo Redo. This is a show where they take these old tattoos and they, and they do cover-ups. They don't remove them. They cover them up with a new tattoo. Right. And I've, I've noticed you've had a tattoo on your calf. Um, it was a Nike swoosh back in the day. But what is it now? Speaking right. of Tattoo Redo. Right now it's just a rope that goes all the way around my, my leg ankle. A rope. Let me see that thing. Yeah, up here. Oh, where's the Nike? It's gone. It just blends in, right? It just blends in. Wow. It's, it's never been there. What, what does a rope signify? Just kind of like my nautical theme that I have going on. So did Nike stop paying you when you covered yeah, it up? Yeah, they stopped paying me. Those bastards. I know. Yeah. It was too much. Can't, you just can't trust them. Nope. Cannot trust them. But, you know, I got the, the big anchor that my brother and I share. I got a brother tattoo, too. Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. No. When we have our fight to the death, we'll all see all We'll those see who tattoos. has the better tattoo. Yeah. And then actually, I've seen Ian's. It's huge. My wife and I have an anniversary guys. anchor on another oh. part that we both share. Two anchors. I got two anchors. Mm. And then the rope. That is pretty nautical. What yeah. the heck? 
Your dad's a fisherman. Why not? For many years. Since yeah. he was like 10. Wow. Right? That's crazy. So 58 years he's been fishing. He's still fishing? Yeah. Wow. What are the else of those old salt cells? What else do they do, right? What else could they do? Nothing. They don't want to do anything else. They just like fishing. Yeah. My kid is one of those. He's born in the wrong generation. <laughs> Seriously, all he wants to do is fish. He, he doesn't want to go to school. He doesn't want to do really anything else other than fish. When he can't fish, he'll do sports. But, you know, that's a good problem. It is. He's a great kid. There's really some Fishing way industry problems. has really changed. Yeah, actually, that's where I'm trying to get him to go. Uh, I'm trying to tell him, like, dude, your industry is dying. You need to be uh, a savior. Like, you need to go. We need lobbyists, honestly. Yeah. This community needs lobbyists. We need people who can go to Washington and explain the situation why, like, our community depends on fishing in more than one way. And it's really important that we can protect that because it's it's going away. Yeah, I mean, between the fishing and the oyster industry, it makes us go besides tourism. Exactly. And we don't want to de depend completely on other people outside influence for our money. We need to be able to produce. Do you know Dale Beasley? Yeah. He's, He's been a longtime pro fishing industry for our area. He's somebody I really admire because he puts in just – Many trips to DC. amount of work and time into protecting our community and our economy. And I think my son needs to do that. I can see him do that. I do too. He's really smart. He's well-spoken. He's respected. And he's been involved in fishing since he well, was he's born. He's got good, good family members above him to show him the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, he's got parents who can help him out in this area. And it's just, he's got a lot of the right components, but I'm worried about, about the future for fisheries. And every time I talk about it, if you're talking about it with fishermen, they don't want to talk about that. It's not their deal. They're going to fish. They'll catch the fish if they're there. If they're not there, they won't catch the fish. And biologists are on the complete other end of that, where they're like, we don't so much care about the economy. We're care we care about the natural environment and the habitat and the numbers, like the quantitative data. And we need somebody in between, and there's very few people now and fewer all the time because this generation is going to go away. And the new generation is not interested in fisheries. And I don't think it's as easy to get into fishing like no. it used to be. It's expensive. Yeah. Huge barriers to entry. But my kid has infiltrated the world. He's part of the community, and he's young, and, and he can recognize problems. And I, I, I honestly try to tell him, like, Look for problems that you want to solve. Look for reasons why this might not be a viable industry in 20 years. And then try to solve those problems because you're smart and you can actually do it. If, if I knew what kind of power a kid has, even though everyone told me I didn't understand, no one does, I would have done different things. I would have, I would have used my time better. I just had no idea. I, I don't know. This next 20 years is going to be kind of a critical time for fisheries and Subsequently, our community economy. I, I think it's really important that we that we kind of bring up some people who can speak on the situation and explain to legislatures like why we need money, why we need funding, why we need the regulations to be favorable to the economy and not just to protecting wild stocks, which is sounds like a lost cause to me. But that's a whole nother podcast. Right. Do you follow that stuff, like the wild versus the hatchery-raised genetics? I don't, I don't really get into it too much. It's a mess. I, it's insane. Like some of the justification that the state uses for their hatchery policies 
is insane. It's ridiculous. And it's wishful thinking. Like to think that the, the wild stocks aren't going to breed with hatchery stocks. And the way they classify – I'm not going to get into <laughs> it. I'm not going to get into it. But I might have to have someone like Dale Beasley on there here and talk get about it. So we, we just hit two hours. I'm Good really time. not done, but you might have to come back and do a second one. We can do that. We didn't even talk about the youth camp. I was, I was going to talk about how I saw you tackle Bobby Richards and use some ninja moves. <laughs> and I was afraid of you from then on out forever. <laughs> I was like, all right, don't fuck with Ned. He knows the moves. Yeah, We can talk about that next time. But we'll talk about that next Is time. Is there anything else you want to quickly cover? Just I, I, I don't think we forgot all that. I'm sure there's lots, actually. We can do it again. We'll do it again. This has been great. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, it was a good uh, time. It went by really, really I know, fast. It was, it was two hours? Yeah. Really quick. All right. Closing words for the show? No, just good, doing, you're good, doing good stuff. No, oh, don't don't flatter me. No, props to you. Well, thank you. It's cool. Appreciate it. You know, And thank you for helping me out. Yeah, no problem. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Just now, say it with your chest now.